This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's first micronutrition brand, providing high-strength formulations to support optimal performance and recovery for endurance athletes. Available now at pillarperformance.com.au. Episode number 214 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Uh, hopefully a good show coming at you. Going to be calling Adelaide to hear from a couple of people with big race expectations, I'm sure, this coming weekend at the Melbourne Marathon Festival. Also going to be going through all the usual segments, Moose on the Loose, Listen to Question, Thanks some Patreon supporters, recap our training weeks, and um, might include a bit of audio from our live stream last night at the very end of the show. Welcome to my co-host up in Canberra, Bradley Croker. How are you going? I'm good, thanks, Brady. It's uh, a bit more comfortable knowing that we're not going live tonight. Oh, it's a bit more comfortable knowing that the guy's a bit prepared tonight, Moose. The guy who rocks um, up to a live stream with an iPad with 3% charge when he's, meant to be, when he's meant to be hosting the whole night and then drops out on us. Don't let the uh, truth get in the way of a good story, oh. Brady. I can, I can give you the full story if you like. Unprofessional, but, uh, Brad. Unprofessional. Mate, you ran out of battery in, in, a, in a, like... Live recording. Yeah, because the computer that I'm using right now, which is the one that I plan to use for our live stream, when I went to open up StreamYard on Chrome, it just kept freezing. And I realized that, because I only got the link, like, you know, just before the show, so 20 minutes out, I'm like, all right, well, this is not going to work. What other device do I have? Oh, I'll go to my iPad. And at that point, it had about 15% charge. And it was plugged in for the whole show, but it went from 15 to 10 to 5 to 3. And I messaged you boys and said, I'm in trouble here. And then I think I died with about two minutes to go. Yeah, well, yeah. put your co-host under a bit of stress. Just have to carry you there, but we got through it in the end. Uh, my other co-host, Dan in Anglesey, big week for him coming up. Coaching duties, handing out drink duties. I'm sure he loves uh, this week just as much as Christmas. Julian Spence, welcome to this week's podcast. Yeah, I, I do like this weekend, and I like waking up in Melbourne on the marathon morning or sometimes just driving over the Westgate when it's it's a nice day. Like I've done that a few times. Like you're going over at, say, 5 a.m. in the morning and you sort of see the sun just coming up. You, the marathon mornings are fun. They're exciting. There's so much weird energy in the air, especially when you get around the, the event hub. Um, it's just special. It's different to normal fun runs. Because you will be so busy um, this weekend, do you ever get to a point like a week out where you start thinking, oh, I wish I was racing? Or you kind of replace that feeling with all the other energy, high energy jobs that you have to do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always feel like that because I haven't raced in so long. It would be nice to be part of the action, especially it'll be worse on the day when you see everyone rolling through Albert Park early in big groups. 
and then by the time you see them come up the tan, mm-hmm. you have no thoughts of wanting to do it at all because you, you see some absolute pure pain. So, yeah, you get jealous, um, but that's when you get to about the two hours. Bit cutting out there, Moose. Technical difficulties everywhere. Did you? I thought it was me. I thought it was me. Oh, <laughs> I'm the only one that can sort out internet connections on this show. So, Brad, do you want to go first and recap your week? While, yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully, he sorts that out. All right. Hotspot your phone, Moose. That was the advice he gave me last I'm night. I'm good. You can you can hear me, right? Yeah. You kept yeah. cracking up when you're talking about the pain you're going up. You're in when you're going up past the tan there. Yeah. All right, I'll, uh, I'll recap my week, I think. Go for it. So Monday, got out in the afternoon for 45 minutes, uh, 11, oh, just over 45 minutes, 11K, 409s. Then Tuesday, went to the track, and the session was 400s off a one-minute um, rest or recovery. And the, the guys that I normally train with, like we still had a good group out there, but the young guys that, you know, that generally sort of keep up, um, especially for a 400 session, like the last couple of times we've done it, I think I've re- led like three reps. Um, none of them turned up. So I was warming up, like, you know, got to back to the track after the warm up. I'm like, oh, maybe they're just running a bit late and then realized they weren't coming. So motivation so they sort of went to turn up or not oh uh, well it's it's like a bit of a free-for-all like you don't know who's going to turn up on any given day like i don't like i don't communicate with them like on a regular basis um but they're there most weeks so yeah anyway i was like oh, okay well let's see how this goes and so yeah it ended up being a solo session um so started off I ran like 70 seconds for the first one. It felt felt pretty hard. But then, like, the longer the session goes, the better my body sort of loosens up. But then I got to probably, like, rep seven, and, like, every rep was just getting a little bit faster. So by that stage, I was down to, like, 67, 66, um, and then sort of, yeah. So I ended up going, like, 70, 69, 68, 68, 68, 67, 67, 66, 65, 64. So, um, yeah, it was a good good bang for your buck session. It's like 20 minutes, but after sort of rep five, like your heart rate's pretty high, even in the recoveries. And then the last couple of reps, especially the last 200, probably replicates a little bit like how you feel in a race. Like, you know, getting a little bit lactic, trying to hold a bit of form. Um, so it was good. Like I haven't done I haven't done anything that quick for a while. So, uh, yeah. Um, what, carbs... was the, uh, what was the purpose of the workout? I asked oh. you this privately, but you kind of dodged the question a bit because the paces Just... are pretty quick towards the end there. Yeah, just to run fast. I like just, uh-huh. you know, like I just, like I don't, I don't do much. Like I don't do much long, like quicker stuff. So it was just one to, um, I guess, and because I don't, because I'm not racing either. It, I find this sort of session can almost replicate a race, and it might actually bring you up a little bit and make training like go to a new level because you've sort of, you know, put put yourself through a bit more pain than you do in your, in your normal sort of tempo-y sessions. Yeah, because what are the average? Probably 66, 67? Yeah, probably 67. Um, 13.55 pace for 5K, and you've done 4K worth of work there? It's probably like, uh, it's probably a bit slow, like it's probably a bit quicker than 3K pace. Um, Yeah, which is like, yeah, if you're you're only doing 10 400s, like you should be doing them at 3K pace, really. Like it's only only 10 of, like it's only 10 of them. And 3K pace is not like, you know, it's not 1500 meter pace. So, um, anyway, it was, it was a good session. I, got, I was actually happy with it considering I, I led every single rep, which 
was a lot harder than I probably averaged similar pace last time we did it, but I only had to lead three reps. So that yeah. was encouraging. I know you were happy with it. You finished your workout and sent sent a message to Moose and I seeing if we saw it on Strava. You were up and about, <laughs> wasn't he, Moose? Did you see my splits, boys? How good's 10 400s? Oh, yeah, come on, settle did, down. Did not, did not say. You, did you were up and about. Boys? <laughs> anyway. Um, it's then... good to see you going well. I just that's want like this to translate to a start line somewhere because he's pumping that's... 10 400s in 66-67, running pretty quick. Like that's it means not nothing unless you get to a start line. You did, you did 20 of them off 30 seconds recovery yeah, at about the same, ra- same average. And I'd race every weekend if I could. Because I yeah, want that but to the, mean but the difference something. is 20, 20 off 30 seconds at the same pace that I was doing 10 off a minute is a significantly better session. And, like, that's not – like, I don't see – I don't think 10 400s at 67 average is, a, is an impressive session at all. No, but like, there's a big difference here that I didn't drop down to 64, 65. My fastest was 67. Yeah, it's because you're doing them off 30 seconds and you're doing 20 of them. I could have dropped down to 64, <laughs> 65, but I wanted to keep it in that zone. Yeah, and no, so your man. session, but your, that's the thing. Your session is completely different to, to what my session was in terms of where, like, what I was trying to work. No, I disagree because like you said you wanted to run fast, and I think if you do them at sixty eight, that's two fifty k pace, and that is fast. I don't know why you need to be running sixty four second four hundreds at your age if you don't want to run a three k or fifteen hundred in the next couple of months. It's well, I don't want to race. I don't want to race anything. Exactly. So I just go out, and run, go out, and high run a risk with no reward. <laughs> But if I've got no races, if I if I get injured, it doesn't really matter, does it? I miss a week or two. Mm. But it was fine. It was fine. Look, I, I still don't see like running a sixty-four second four hundred as being like I don't know. Like it's not that. It's still not that quick. Um, like I know it's a long time ago, but like I averaged ten of these in like sixty-twos. Yeah, but relatively like, it is quick. Like what do you, when do you ever run that pace? Uh, yeah, I guess if I was running a fifteen hundred. Yeah. When did you ever run that pace when you were? When what it was, that's fifteen hundred meter pace. What? Nah, it would have been quicker than that for fifteen. That's four minute fifteen hundred meter pace. Yeah, fifteen hundred yeah, meter 64s. pace is 61s. Oh, 64, 62s. He's saying 62s. Yeah, I've averaged. I've averaged like ten of these off a minute, like 62, 63. Yeah, yeah. A different life though. This is we yeah. Don't need to, yeah, we don't need to be talking about what you did eight years ago. But it was good. It was like it was a good hard. It was a good hard session. Like oh, as I, I said, like I, I don't. But I want to see. Race, I want to so, see you race somewhere. Yeah. Like put it back, the last two, the last two reps, the last two hundred of each rep felt like, you know, how I would feel in the last two hundred of a five k, where like I'm, you know, trying to hold form and, um, yeah, like it was, I think it was it was good. Like I think it's occasionally good to run hard like that in a session. I don't do it that often. So. Hmm. Um. Then on. Wednesday, I didn't go as long this week. Um, I just did an hour, 4.17s, and then Thursday, just 11K at 4.16s. And then Friday, um, yeah, wasn't that motivated once again to go out and do a session on my own, so I jumped on the treadmill. Um, did So I, st- I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do when I started. I knew I wanted to do between 30 and 35 minutes at somewhere averaging between that 3.20s to 3.30s, um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the previous week where I threw in a few like two and a half minute um, surges. It just sort of broke the session up. So I started off pretty much the same as last week. So I did seven minutes at around three thirties uh, or 17 K an hour. And then I thought, Oh, look, I don't want to just sit at this pace for like 30 minutes. It'll just get a bit boring. So I pumped it up two minutes at probably three tens. And then I took one minute at 
four minute Ks. Uh, and so I did two sets of that, but it was a fair bit hotter than the week before. And I realized at that point that, you know, heart rate was starting to climb a little bit. So then uh, for the last 15 minutes, I sort of, I did five minutes at probably like 325s, dropped it back five minutes at 330s, and then the last five minutes back at like 325s. So end up being um, basically 10K in just under 35 minutes. Uh, and heart rate was like 163 average. So, um, yeah, but the last 15 minutes was probably like high 160s. Um, so that was fun. Like it just, I don't know, like I'm just, I'm enjoying the treadmill sessions. Um, yeah, it's my training partner. Uh, it goes relatively quickly, especially if I sort of alter the paces a little bit. Uh, and I can control it. Like, I, you know, if I realise my heart rate's getting a bit high, I just go, all right, well, I'll just dial it back a bit. Uh, and then that afternoon I got out for another run. Uh, I didn't, I forgot my watch though, but I did about 8K. Uh, then Saturday was just an hour for 16s. And then Sunday I went down to um, around Mount Ainsley. Like I know that there's a fair few people that run around there generally on a Sunday and I wasn't that keen to go and run on my own. So I started at Dixon Ovals at eight and um, yeah, bumped into a couple of like Dick Telford's um, girls that he coaches and Dan Green, the guy that started up the Run For Your Life magazine. So, uh, yeah, I did just about two hours and five minutes at 420s. Um, yes, for t- was that just under 29K, 122 for the week. And when you jumped, like when you went past them, did you jump in with them for a while? Oh, I pretty much ran, oh, yeah. yeah, pretty much ran with them. Like yeah. the whole, the Have whole to way. slow down a bit? Uh, That's why I a little bit. 420s. Yeah, so we, had, we got rolling a little bit. There was a, a big sort of downhill, gradual downhill section where, uh, yeah, rolling sort of, four minutes, just under four minutes for a couple of Ks. But, yeah, it was was good having a group. That was like at one point well, when I first joined them, there was probably like eight, nine in the group. Did you just rock, like, did you just run in a direction and bump into them, though? Or did oh, it I just nice knew, to meet them? No, I knew, I knew where they'd go. So, um, like, I started probably, I must have got there, well, I started at 8.05. So they normally start around 8 o'clock. So, um, yeah, I knew where they went and obviously caught them after about four, I called them about four, four or five K into my run. So you just, yeah, followed Gee, them. isn't it? Were you invited or did you just chase these people through the yeah. bush and find them? No, just... I no, I wasn't invited. Seen them on Strava and then <laughs> rock up. And... Yeah. I'll give so them a five-minute head start and then hunt them down through the bush. Yeah. Yep. So, so no, I wasn't invited, but they didn't, in the last... to, they didn't tell me to piss off. <laughs> I like it. You got some running buddies out of it. Anyway. You got another... a... Is that Moose? You got a fan for your treadmill? Uh, yep. Yep. Big yeah. one? Uh, no, like just one of those pedestal fans. Like I, I, I might, when it starts to warm up a bit more, I might look at getting a better one. Um, like it does, it does the job for 30, 35 minutes sessions. And um, like I'm doing it in the morning. Like it wasn't super hot. It was just uh, like the week before it was pissing down rain. It was like 12, 13 degrees. Whereas this time it was probably like maybe like 22, but really high humidity in the garage. So, um, yeah, it was just a little bit higher than the week before. But, yeah, if, if it's like 30 degrees, um, then I'll have to get a better fan, I think. You'd have a really yeah. good fan when you move, like a real good, expensive industrial fan in your <laughs> it's shed. A, it's a big fan. Yeah. And, That's and the, li- the limitation is you can't hear <laughs> the iPad because the fan, uh, fan yeah. is so loud, uh, but it nearly blows you backwards. Because I'm a, I'm a big sweater, and it's in the garage. There's not a lot of airflow, mm. and a bit of bit of heat work. Um, but I'm, but yeah. look, I'm love I'm loving the treadmill sessions like so much. Like I I reckon I'll keep doing one one a week. Um, 
it's yeah i feel like a move like i know you run a little bit differently but if anything i i feel like it's actually helping my form a bit um i feel like i sort of uh like when I, I get a bit lazy when i run and i like my so the foot that's on the ground when it goes behind me i think sometimes i leave it on the ground for too long before bringing it back up underneath myself whereas i find with the treadmill it really gets like gets my foot up up off the ground a little bit quicker um and then like cause when i went out, when i went out that afternoon like i felt i felt great so um yeah so i think treadmill sessions are here to stay for a little while have you looked at the cadence that you record do you record cadence on your um on the treadmill uh yeah it did like um Let i did have do have it because I, I put the file up there's one probably 180 i guess it includes like the one minute recovery bit where is it One eighty, one eighty one, one eighty one was the average. Yeah, but, but it would. Um, and and then you 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 compare that with outdoors though. Uh yeah, I'm probably actually well, I'm probably a little bit <laughs> outside for a session like that. No, it's probably similar because I had a couple a like when when I'm doing like the one minute jogs, like my cadence drops right off. But mm. yeah, probably a little bit higher. Cadence probably a little bit higher outside. For some reason, I just feel feel pretty smooth on the treadmill. Well, I got 9K treadmill tempo, cadence 184. That's from the week before or a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And I was, um, one, I was 181 for this one. Yeah, but if you go, if you take an outdoor treadmill, uh, an outdoor um, tempo, that's what you want to compare it to. Yeah, yeah. All right, Moose. Anyway. Tell us about your training week. Um, yeah, so I had, I had um, 90... 92k this week uh obviously not on strava at the moment so let me just pull up my spreadsheet so in the morning on monday i felt really good i ran 35 minutes and i couldn't get my heart rate up so it was it was semi-warm maybe like 16 or something that's not very warm but it wasn't like really cold and my heart rate wouldn't go above about 130, which it normally does. I mean, I jog pretty slow, uh, but I got home. I was like, "What? what's with that? That's that's pretty random for me. I never have those days where everything's really low, but I did feel really smooth as well. So it was good. Maybe a sign that I was um, maybe a sign that I was just get. I'm getting a little fitter. Um, the next day. I, I did a little workout, so I ran four by 1K at threshold, 1K float. So the float was to drop the heart rate by about 10 beats per minute. Um, so let me just pull this one up. I can give you more specifics of it. So this one was um, – sorry, I was looking at your stuff, Brad. Now I've, I've got myself in a little – tears here um it was on the 30th so here i am so 8k all up um i averaged 328s for the 8k uh it was around a loop where they had a few variables like hills and dirt roads and trails so it wasn't super accurate but my laps were um 327 for the first one 343 for the second 319 331 float, 311 on, 342 off, 315 on, 332. And that was all to heart rate without any paces showing. So just making sure I didn't go too hard on the ons and on the offs that I stayed 
about 10 beats less than what the previous rep was. Uh, so the pace sort of slowed in some points and got faster in others. But I was pretty happy with how that, that went for me. A 16K day all up. Next day, ran down in Ballarat, 10K, 45 minutes. And then Thursday, had a jog in uh, Town Loop. Ran this with Ali, actually, 60 minutes. We jogged pretty slow. Nice morning. Um, did a workout the next morning. Ran with Jordan and... I did 8K and I broke it up into 2K segments. So the segment had uh, a ceiling of heart rate, which so each 2K I was allowed to go to 160 heart rate. Then the second 2K I could go up to 165, the third 170, and the fourth 175. So it was a progression run over effort. Uh, we started down near the river at Anglesey, ran through some streets and ended up just doing some lap, laps of the caravan park, which is about a K, K around. Uh, so the first lap I did, I ran 328s. That was with a heart rate of 160 maximum. But the problem with the first lap is obviously it takes a little bit to get your heart rate up. So you can basically sprint and not get to 160 in the first three minutes. So you clock a bit of extra pace there. And cause, so we slowed down the next one. I averaged 329s for the 165 beats. Then got going a little, 325s for 170. And then for the 175s, actually, I, I, I ran over that. I averaged like 178, but ran 311s for the last 2K. So it was a good little progression effort. Um, nice to work hard again. Then the next um, next day, uh, Saturday morning, just jogged around Ballarat, around Anglesey. 11k and um sunday morning was obviously a long run day so ran with a lot of people who were running on sunday on this coming sunday for the marathon so we took it pretty easy stayed flat i did an hour 40 22 a bit over 22k 431s so yeah all up it was uh 90 95k maybe so getting back there getting some mileage nearly hit 100 yeah like how much this. cross how much cross training yeah, less this week. I've been really busy. So work's, work's been a, a bit busy and um, I've had to do stuff after. And I don't like it. Like I really do want to get into it. But I did some cross – I did the, the zero runner on um, Monday, 35 minutes. Uh, I did gym on – I did home gym on Wednesday night. Thursday went to the gym in the afternoon and then um, – Sunday afternoon went to the gym so didn't get on the cross trainer as much as I wanted to uh, but yeah I need to start getting back on that mm, that's the first thing that goes when it's busy isn't it yeah that well it is stuff, yeah I know for me like not that I do much cross training but that core stuff I always cut when I'm busy yeah no oh, and it's it's bonus stuff like I got on it for 35 minutes just before and like this is like this doesn't take long. Thirty-five minutes is not a lot of time out of my day. I can I can make this work, especially when it's at, at home. You mm. know, like you know, and that's what I like about the tre- like I'll probably do a double tomorrow because I'll just jump on the treadmill for thirty minutes in the garage, like in the morning before I do a session in the afternoon. So it's it's much easier than if you had to drive to the gym to do it. Yeah, you just yes, gotta get on it. Exactly. Once you get on it, you're right. Mm. Yeah, chuck the, the iPad up. I like to have a movie that I'm constantly playing through, so I kind of look forward to it almost. And and just even watching the movie entices me out there. What have you been watching? 
Oh, it's this old Denzel Washington movie called Inside Man. <laughs> yeah. Bank bank robbery. Never seen it before, and I, I reckon I've seen everything from Denzel Washington. You could do yeah. that, just go through the whole catalogue. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's some good ones in there. What's your favourite? Oh, I've done off the top of my head, Denzel Washington. you got Man on Fire, you got Training Day, both Bone very collector. good ones. Yeah. Oh, remember the Titans? Oh, um, yeah, remember the Deja, Titans. Deja Vu. Yeah. Oh, there's oh, a lot of that there. one with the train? Well, we've just nailed the trivia question. Name five Denzel Washington movies. <laughs> what the one with the train? Wasn't he one with some some train? Well, the Steven Seagal movies. No, there was a train where he was like the conductor or something. Didn't someone like hijack a train? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it though. He's been in some goodies. Unstoppable, oh, unstoppable. 2010. Yeah, I've got 87 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll go through my week, fellas. Um, I kicked off the week on Monday, listening to Shoe Yeeks for 45 minutes. Uh, 4.26 pace there. And then the afternoon got out for 30 minutes after work, 4.38 pace. So this is the week before the week before. So it's kind of like starting tapering a bit. But it's often that week where you think you're going to feel amazing straight away because you just start cutting a few 10-minute, 20-minute workouts here. But it's, and you kind of don't. Like People get a bit worried in this week, I feel. I think they should be feeling good straight away, but it takes them a while to, a while to feel good. So um, that happened to me a bit on the Tuesday workout. Didn't move fart like three minutes were around three hundred three pace, and then the one minutes were kind of like two fifty three pace, with a minute jog in between. So all up, this is a thirty minute fart and it just took the first couple of sets to get rolling, just to lock in. I think I thought I'd start this easy and feel like I got the brakes on for the three minutes at three hundred three pace, but I had to work a bit more for it than I was hoping. And then, um, yeah, in the third set, just started clicking. And I was, yeah, I was running pretty smooth, covering the ground well. So all up, that was um, 30 minutes, 8.6K at 3.28 pace, and really backed off the one minute. Like sometimes when I do this with Archie, we might average like 3.50 pace for the recoveries, 4.10, kind of anywhere around there. But this was like 4.40s, 4.30s, like really jogging that one minute to try and recover. Got out for 30 minutes in the afternoon, put a few photos on my um, Strava of where we warm up and cool down when we do these workouts. So um, through like Miami Beach, down through Horseshoe Lagoon, it was a beautiful morning for a few photos there. I can't believe you're calling these places beaches and lagoons. I don't, I don't make up their names, mate. Cold. <laughs> it is really stretching. They're beautiful photos though, aren't they? Do you like them? I haven't seen them. It's dry though, very dry. Um, then Wednesday, that was a recovery day, got 80 minutes done at 4.31s, felt a bit hot and humid on that one, but the weather actually wasn't that bad, but um, yeah, we're sweating a bit, last kind of Wednesday where I, um, that's the day I go a bit later, because I look after Hudson in the morning, so this was the last one I'll do of those for a while, so looking forward to, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, I don't really like trading on a Wednesday, just because it's, yeah, a bit later in the day, Thursday, 30 minutes in the morning, I um, averaged 4.31 pace then as well. And then in the afternoon, I did my longer run. I was dreading this the whole day. Like I should have done the longer run in the morning because it was like 32 degrees um, and kind of like storm rolling in that, that night. And I just had it hanging over my head the whole day. But I got out there, did it. Um, I just put the heart rate monitor on because it was 32. I just didn't want to cook myself. So I just kind of left, well, I kind of kept my heart rate at 125. And um, I averaged like 4.33 pace, which I was kind of surprised. 
I felt like it was like 450 pace when I was jogging along with the heart rate that low. So, um, yeah, good signs that the heart rate was low and still ticking along at a decent pace when it was quite warm. Then on Friday, my second workout of the week, I did five by five minutes at threshold. Um, so I kind of averaged 306, 307 kilometer pace for these five minutes off two minutes jog. Um, some real positive signs here because the heart rate data, I had the strap on was really good. Like, um, yeah, I was kind of averaging, I averaged 155 for the first five minutes, 160 for the next one, 162 for the third, 162 for the fourth, and then 163 beats per minute for the fifth. And it just, yeah, I was getting out, out probably a bit too quick. Looking at my watch two minutes in, probably seeing that I was averaging pretty close to like three minute K pace. And then I could just kind of switch it off a bit and really enjoy it. Um, and the good positive was that like I was ready to go 90 seconds into the two minute recovery and my heart rate was dropping to like 135, 137 um, throughout that kind of two minutes recovery. So yeah, some good numbers there. Another beautiful morning as well. Then 30 minutes Friday afternoon after work at 4.38, 65 minutes easy on the Saturday at 4.29s. And then on Sunday, we had um, running royalty in, in the region, not quite Chukamoama, but met this boy or man in Barma, Ben Buckingham Fellas. You know, you guys know Ben Bucks, Olympian. He was over in... Uh, heard of him. You've heard of him? Yeah. He's a long-time Patreon supporter of ours, good supporter of the Inside Running Podcast, Bucks is. He was over in Shepparton, Maroopan away, and uh, wanted to meet up for a run, which was good because Archie and Glenn were both out of town, so I was... And Nathan's out of town, so I was just flying solo. So I met him out at Barmer, and... Um, which, yeah, I met him out there because it was easier for him to get there from Shepparton. So it was a bit of a shorter drive. But we haven't really been going out there lately because the river's pretty high at the moment out there. And every, like all our local tracks are kind of flooded. But I thought I'd be able to figure out where to go. So kind of, um, we got going. First option, got about 4k in. And there's like this creek's fully flooded over the path. So I had to kind of make a turn. And then I thought, that's okay. I know a second kind of loop that can work here. And then when we got to this main road, I should have turned right, but I turned left, which then meant that I couldn't take the next right because it was, wasn't there kind of thing. So I had to commit to this third loop, which I'd never done before, but I'd looked, at, looked it up on the map before. Um, and then we committed to it, and then we were meant to follow this like creek pretty much back to the cars. And at one stage, the path just ran out. Like we just hit this fence. The path wasn't there next to the creek anymore. But there was a really strong looking path turning to the left of this creek. So we followed that. And I said to Ben about five minutes into following this path, like I'm a bit concerned now that we're not next to this creek. Like we should be next to this creek all the way kind of back to the cars. But he was just skipping along. And we were just talking a bit of rubbish. And um, yeah, he was half stepping me a bit. And we are just kind of like, yeah, just, just in the moment. And we probably got five or six K away from this creek. And I'm just like, nah, mate, this is um, this is not where we should be. I feel like this is totally the wrong direction where we should be now. So we stopped our watches. We um, walked up a bit of a levee bank, tried to look to see across some of this farming area. And we we're at a stage where we we're just about to jump this fence of a farm to run through a paddock before we decided to, um, you know, when you stop your watch on the Coros, it gives you a map, you know, when you finish it there. Mm-hmm. So we uh, yeah. we decided, hey, let's stop our watches and have a look at the map to see how close to this creek and this like starting point we are. And we were literally like headed in the wrong direction if we were going to run through that paddock. So then we decided to backtrack. We got back to the creek. Um, and at this stage, like, I only wanted to do 90 minutes. And at this stage, I'm like, 
85 minutes in and I'm thinking, oh, I know it's another 40, 45 minutes back to the car from here. I really don't want to cook my marathon by doing 32K the week out when I probably should be doing 22K. So we um, we got back to the campsites where like the main road where people like pull off and yeah, the campers and stuff and people put their boats in and stuff. Talked to one one old guy who um, wasn't real keen to give us a, a lift back. We kind of asked him if he, if he knew anyone who could drop us back. So he said no. And then we just started walking down this road, which was, yeah, 6K back to the cars. And then another car come past. We tried to wave them down, but they drove straight past us. And then the third third time's a charm, fellas. We waved down a lovely couple from Melbourne, and we asked them if we could have a ride 6K back to our cars. And they were actually headed in the opposite direction. And they said, yep, no worries, jump in. And then, um, yeah, they had, we had a good chat to them. I told them that they had an Olympian in the back seat, which is pretty cool. They loved that. I didn't tell didn't he, them. Didn't he, didn't he open up with that? When no, nah, he's a pretty modest guy. I didn't tell him until we got right back to our car. So I'm like, thanks a lot. You guys are legends. And by the way, this guy has come back from Tokyo Olympics. And they were like stoked they had an Olympian in the back car. So um, a bit of an eventful morning. I think that's the first time I've had to hitchhike like back to the car. And my bad, like when you go to somebody else's long run location, they should have the loop figured out. Um, yeah, you shouldn't be expected to hitchhike back to your car when someone stitched her up. So that was, uh, yeah, 24.5K. We averaged for about four-minute K pace. There's two separate runs on Strava there. And it was good talking the whole time and, and feeling pretty fresh. And, yeah, beautiful morning and, and good to be in, in the company of an Olympian for a And now, you, uh, now you've thrown him under the bus by saying that he was half-stepping you, he, which I'm, you sure, I'm sure it was the other way around. Oh, no, no. Bucks is a real smooth mover. Have you ever run with him before? No, he said but I he, thought you'd be out there trying to impress him. No, I was just trying to, I'm like, mate, I've got to run a marathon in seven days. Let's just like put our, put our foot on the brakes here. But um, no, nah, he's a very smooth, he covers the ground really well. And because when anyone comes to a Chukamoama, you know what it's like, it's flat. So like they just get rolling because they're not used to having a 24K long run where you don't run up any hills at all. So, um, and I think he said he enjoys running with Sinead, who goes a bit like quicker at that pace as well. So I think he doesn't mind doing a quicker long run. So um. Yeah, that was good, good, uh, good week, and now we're into race week this week, which is pretty exciting. First time I could say it's race week for a marathon in, yeah, nearly three years. So how stressed were you during the when you were getting lost that oh, you were cooking yourself for the next week? I'm like, this is a bad dream. This is a bad dream. And he goes, oh, we'll just swim across this creek at one stage. I'm like, I'm not swimming across no creek. Like, I'm not the best swimmer in the world. And there's all like reeds and stuff in the like the river, and I'm like, nah, I'm not swimming. And then and like. You know, when there's, like, people camp and fishing kind of crowd, they're a lot different to the, like, distance running crowd who are, like, you know, two sweaty guys at the end of a 24K long run, like, mm. trying to hit them up for a for a 6K ride back to the um, <laughs> back to the car. And it's cod season just started as well. So, like, a lot of people out there fishing fishing for cod as well. So um, don't want their mornings interrupted. But, yeah, uh, I saved it in the end. But, yeah, as I was walking down this road, I'm like... How much damage is six? Like, should I just run it? Because I felt fine. Like, I'm probably the fittest I've ever been. So I'm like, I can do another 6K here. It's no worries. But I'm like, yeah, is running it better than walking it and being out in the sun for longer? But this elderly elderly couple in their white statesman, holding statesman, saved us. So that was my week, fellas. So, um, yeah, we're nearly there. Looks like we're going to get to the start line. Injury-free. No, um, yeah. no, no strains of... Uh, COVID hopefully interrupting us. No borders getting closed. It looks like we're finally going to be racing the marathon this weekend. What's he going to run, Moose? Have you thought about it? Have you thought of... I've thought about what he's going to run. Yeah. The weather actually is improving. The weather is improving. Looked a bit better today. Yeah. I saw 
16 to 24. You know, do you use the one that Nick Earl uses? There's like this secret one that that's why he's good at weather. He just logs onto this website. Uh, it's not him doing the actual fucking predicting. He's just reading it off exactly. an app, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. he gave me this like secret website that you can use and it says like every hour what the temperature will be, what the wind will be, and it gives you a map of which roads the wind will be going down and stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll send it, it to you off air. The, the, anyway, I think you'll run... I think it's still going to be warm. That's the thing. It's still going to be outside the optimal. And if you were optimal in 217 shape, 216 shape, then great. But uh, you're going to have to play to the conditions a little. So I think you'll run 220 and a half. Yeah, 220, 30. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I thought. I was thinking about this today. I reckon I'm in 218 shape. Add a minute to 90 seconds for the difference in the course, which gets you to about, you know, 290. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. 219. Hear me out. 219.30 shape. Then maybe add another minute for the weather. 220.30. The weather will take more than the course will. The weather, the weather, if it gets to 21 during your race, will take more time out than 60 seconds. I can guarantee that. So what do you reckon? I was thinking today, because the weather, obviously, the longer the race goes, the hotter it's going to get. So do I just like send a group message out tonight and say, hey, boys, let's just bank a whole lot of time in this first hour before it gets too hot. And just you should set send it, a message. Set send it. it. Set I ourselves want to, up. Include me in the thread because I want to see the response. Matty Gunther in there, Toby, the beast cook, Zach and Newman. I, put all those I reckon guys in your there. best bet is to go out with Ed Goddard <laughs> um, and just sit on his tail because he's known for making smart decisions in races. So just sit back on his heels and let the metronome go to work. We'll talk about what they're going to do a bit later on when we preview it. But um, no, I think I'll slot myself in that second group. I might look at my watch through 5 and 10K, but I just really, like, my goal is to be best of the rest. Like, let those other guys go up the road and then just settle <clears> into that second pack and try to mm. uh, race it. And, like, when we did that live show last night, I'm sitting there listening to Monteghetti saying, hey, you got to be patient until the bottom of that hill. I'm listening to you say the same things, like, uh, you learn from how Sinead dominated that course from 35k onwards. Like, you really have to go to sleep and be patient and run from 35k onwards pretty well if you want to run a good race. Yeah, and you don't need to go breaking the group or anything like that. The group will be your friend. And there'll yeah. be little changes in, in pace throughout. Like, that's the nature of a group. There'll be like little surges here and they'll go through a patch where it's a bit slower. Um, and that's okay. That's where you've you got to get away from the watch gazing and, and oh, not yeah. stress about it. And I think because I'm not trying to break 220, because I've done that now, and I think a few guys will be trying to break 220, so they'll be the ones watch gazing and maybe pushing it on, but I'm just going to be happy to sit in and, yeah, chill. I think, yeah. you're, in better, I think you're in better shape than what you're letting on. What do you think of your I you, Well, I reckon, he's in, I reckon he's in better than 218 shape. Me too. He's, and he's saying he's in 218 shape. But what do you think he'll run? Uh, uh, I reckon he should. I reckon he should be breaking 220 on that. I, yeah, as long as it's as long as it's like not many people break 220 on Melbourne's course. As, though. as long it's pretty as hard. it's and that's not that's enough above time. like 20 degrees, then you should be running under 220. I reckon. Yeah, but it depends on what that pack goes. That's what we're talking. If that pack goes at, if we go through in, you know, 70 30. You might, yeah, you might no, have lost that's, it, okay. might, that's perfect. Yeah, that, I'm saying yeah. that's perfect, but you might have lost a bit too much time to break 220. What? 70, what, making up 30 seconds? Yeah, but if you're not making a move until 35K. 
Yeah, but I mean? you, don't want to, you don't want to let others dictate your race either. You don't want to leave too much in the tank. I just want to beat the best of the rest guys. I just want to beat those guys. Uh-huh. I don't know. You're I, I still reckon. What you reckon? You, you so you, what? You don't have any time. You don't have any time goals at all. No time goals. No. All right. All right. Because like all this, right. this is just a bit of like I'm really like this. This is fun for me. I am really excited to be. I know it sounds cliche, but I just want to be in a race. Like we got this baby due next week. I want to get in a race. I um, there's no other opportunities for me. I've been sitting on my hands waiting for a marathon for so long. This is the only opportunity there. Like I don't feel any pressure or any like go out there and smash it. Like I can do that in a fast one next year. But I am really happy with the preparation. I think I've given myself the best chance to be the fittest guy in that second group. I think if the weather's if the weather's not that bad, I think you should be looking to run a PB. Like, don't just go, oh, I'll do it next year. Like, you never know what happens exactly. between now yeah. and then. You are right, like, you got to make the most of your opportunities. Like, you don't want to put in all this hard work and then just, you know, sort of cop out in the last week and say, oh, I don't really care. I'm just, oh, no. I'm just happy to, I'm just no, happy to race. Right. I really, yeah, I really <laughs> care about it. And I'm going to you could get injured. You, you could get injured in three, in three months' time and next year's marathon doesn't happen. Yeah, so exactly. But what I'm saying is I don't want to go off the front of the pack at yeah. 20K saying I'm going to try to run this solo from here on in. Yeah. There's enough talent in that group where if if it's a nice day and, and you're feeling good at the 25K mark, then there'll be someone there with you to, to go, go along with you. And if not, that's fine. Like just be patient early. You can make up tons of time in the second half if you're truly that fit. Mm. If you go... If you go through in 70 minutes and you're as fit as that we think you are, you can come home in 68. That's totally believable. Like that's well within the realities of what you can do. I, I know that because I've done it myself and you're fitter than I was when I've done it. Yeah, so, once you get rolling. My yeah. second half was I think 90 seconds. I was 90 seconds to two minutes quicker of the second half. Exactly. Exactly. It's a very hilly second half though. It's not a no. It isn't. Are you kidding me? I don't know. I'm pretty good it's on it. Very... Remember that hilly race I did, like 30k in a long run the other week. Oh, like sounds. He co- sounds confident, Moose, doesn't he? I'm confident. You said it's a very hilly second half. No, there's, I'm going to say there's more hills in the second half than there are in Biwa or Berlin. Oh, Biwa. I don't know. That that <laughs> hill at that hill at Biwa is bigger than the Tan Hill. What hill at Biwa? There's a hill at Biwa. There's no hill at the Lake Biwa. There you go. Over there, a little, yeah, go over this bridge. Here you do. No, no, on the way back, this is, yeah. this, this is a decent hill on the way back. Yeah. Must have missed that one. It's been running Probably. too slow to notice it. Anyway, go and run a PV. Thanks for your support, fellas. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to wait uh, Izzy Bat Doyle in. We're going to call Adelaide and have a chat to her and Riley Cox, who will be in action at the Nike Melbourne Half Marathon and Full Marathon this week. Uh, they'll be joining us from Adelaide. Izzy Bat Doyle, we got you. Hey, I'm here. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast again. Maybe a third time, I reckon, on the show. It's some, it's in some kind of manner. How um, how are you feeling ahead of uh, of Sunday? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think um, it's been a bit tricky just the last week. There's been um, yeah, a few questions whether we'd be able to uh, get across and get back to SA um, without having to quarantine. So fingers crossed, we can we can get there and. Um, no travel restrictions upon return, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to run on Sunday. What's the latest with those restrictions? Have you heard? Um, it's all okay at the moment, but there was just talks of putting in a seven day quarantine um, on return from Melbourne. So I guess that could that could happen at any time if they decided to. Uh, but that's just the risk that that we're willing to take. 
and um, how like what what are your goals for the weekend do you have like a, a time that you're targeting or you're just going to sit and kick and try and pick up the I think it's six thousand dollars for first yeah I think for me like um, you know this time of the year if Salopec was on then you know I wouldn't be doing a half marathon but um, there was kind of a clear spot on the schedule without any other races to do um, and I wanted to do a half marathon for for ages and I was actually going to do the Great North Run over in the UK but decided to come home after the Olympics so yeah it's been on my on my kind of um, goals list to do for a while and it's more just about I think having a crack and just trying to um, stick with that top pack and run as fast as I can I'm not I'm not really too sure about time goals um, you know I'd love to break 70 minutes one day it might not be this weekend but we'll see we'll see what happens you um you do some pretty good thresholds Izzy do you think that's something that'll uh, I guess contribute to how well you go on the day yeah, definitely. I think um, that's definitely one of the um, things in training that I've done in the last year, um, working with Nick Bedeau. And um, I feel like doing the threshold trainings really helped me across across all distances, you know, including the 5K and, and getting stronger um, aerobically even to, to get, get that speed down. Um, but I think it will help me in terms of the half because I haven't done a whole lot of specific training towards the half, but just having done the thresholds, and feeling pretty confident um, doing those each week, I think, yeah, sets me up pretty well. And who, who do you see as your major competition on Sunday? Well, I thought that the field, the women's field, had a, a few more in it until I just saw the, the list emailed. And I, I think it's Jess uh, Stenson and Sinead um, that are kind of the top two um, looking at, at the list that came out. Um, I know people have kind of, changed across distances i thought elsie was doing the half and she's doing the marathon so yeah Mm. definitely jess and sinead and what time are you prepared to run so what sort of pace are you prepared to go out at say because sinead goes out and runs starts running three three ten three fifteen from the bat are you are you willing to go with that pace i guess i'll have to just see on the day how it feels but um i kind of my threshold usually sits around 320 pace um you know for my 30 30 minute threshold so you know, I've, I've come to feel pretty comfortable at that pace. Um, and so I guess that's kind of, yeah, the goal pace for me for a half. But, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to, to race it and roll the dice a bit. So I just have to wait and see how it plan, pans out. Mm. And um, 2022 is a big year with World Champs and Com Games. So assuming everything goes to plan, what are your um, what are your goals for next year? Oh, well, I just – look, I'd love to be on both teams. Um, I don't have qualifiers for anything because my um, – my times came earlier on, well, towards the end of the, um, the season, but not quite in time for the qualifying period for next year. So I'll have to get um, get some qualifiers under my belt. But yeah, really love to make both teams yeah. um, for the five and ten. I'm just not really sure um, how it stacks up. They're pretty close together. But if I can do, um, you know, the five at one of the championships and the ten at the other, that would be an ideal situation for me. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a bit of a uh, pack to chase that time at Zadapec? Like last year? It's hard to know. I still think that January is pretty early for people. Um, and look, 31.25 is, you know, it's, it's fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to get really a perfect night. And, you know, losing, obviously losing Jen um, with her injury this, this year, she won't be racing. And, um, you know, losing Andrea from that race, it might not have the same, um, you know, really strong group up the front um, with people able to pace. But I'm just not sure. I mean, it depends who's around and, and, and willing and able to pace as well to help us kind of push towards a fast time. Yeah. 
And uh, Izzy, you've recently signed on with Pillar um, Nutrition Company. How did that all come about? Yeah, so just um, you know, through some connections um, that we're lucky to have um, in the running community, I guess in SA. And um, as you know, Riley and I have our, our group Runners One here in Adelaide um, with lots of runners across all distances and kind of levels. Um, and yeah, really keen to be working with the crew at Pillar Performance and um, getting our micronutrition needs sorted. That's an easy one. Definitely the um, magnesium powder. I have that every night before bed and people that know me well know that I'm, I'm, I'm not a great sleeper. I find it hard to wind down. Um, and yeah, definitely having the magnesium at night. It tastes delicious. Um, I enjoy having it, but also it helps me have really good sleep. And I feel like my cortisol levels drop, my body actually relaxes, and I wake up feeling refreshed and restored. Hey, Izzy, the planning for 2022, like have you guys looked into potential track races overseas and stuff yet, or is that a bit too early to be planning that kind of stuff? Um, I mean, I haven't really looked into anything specifically, but I guess it would be, yeah, looking at some of those races in the U.S., um, you know, the Peyton Jordans and, and that kind of um, – those those kind of track races mm. because, you know, it's hard to find a fast 10K. Like, you know, Zatapex the only one we have on the calendar, and I'm just not sure if it's going to be quite the pace we need to, to go at. So, yeah, definitely thinking about those races over in the States um, early next year. So you, um, you, you coached by Nick. Will you go away on training camps with the rest of the MTC group? Yeah, I think – definitely will like I really enjoyed um my kind of three month stint overseas this year um I love traveling with Rose she was so much fun and we really um got on really well so hopefully we get to travel again together over the coming years um as I said before yeah the, the MTC kind of girl group has dwindled a little bit um just due to injuries and and so so it'll be interesting to see um yeah how that comes together but definitely keen for some more training camps in the future um but obviously like I've got a pretty good setup here in Adelaide I really love training with Riley, um, my main training partner, Bryn, um, who just ran like 14.54 uh, last week to break our state record for over 40. So, yeah, I've got a very good setup here in Adelaide. Um, so love to go on training camps, but really just enjoyed my situation here too. And is he like first half marathon this weekend? Um, are we looking at a marathon soon? I know I've asked you this before. Any update <laughs> there? I mean, I guess I've always wanted to do a marathon and it's it's been um, something I think I'll be good at in the future, but um yeah i won't jump to it too quickly i definitely on the cards in the coming years but i'm not sure when when the first one will be i'm still finding like you know improving on the track still and i've got goals that i'd like to do on the track and i know you can go back and forth from the roads and the track but um i'd still like to really focus on you know breaking 15 lowering my 5k time um you know improving my 3k time even even my 1500 so um i'll stay on the track for a little bit longer but yeah we'll see what happens in the next few years Oh, it's good news. We love watching you race on the track because you like pushing the pace early and it's, um, it always makes for an entertaining race because you kind of got that signature race kind of tactic. Thank you. But last weekend, actually, I changed up my tactics. Um, so I'm trying different things as well, which is fun. Well, if it works for you, you can you can win in, win in more ways than one. <laughs> Hopefully. Good luck for this weekend. Is there any chance we can uh, talk to Riley as well? Yeah, he is right here. Yeah, you guys. How you going? <laughs> G'day, good. Thanks, Riley. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Riley, you're um, you're part of the package deal here. So yeah, I know. Yeah. This is part of your thing. You sign up with these brands, and you say if you want easy, you got to take me as well. <laughs> Pillar set that up. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd probably do a, a, a bit of work behind the scenes to make sure that um, everyone's happy and, um, yeah. What, was he saying uh, that Riley's the steak knives? <laughs> <laughs> he's, a good looking, he's a good looking set of steak knives. Yeah. Hey, um, yeah, no. Riley, serious no, question. I, uh, We'll see what we'll see what happens in the in the marathon. Maybe I can do something good there. We'll see. Yeah, tell us how you're feeling. Like six days out, your debut marathon was meant to happen at the Gold Coast, which obviously got cancelled. You must be pretty excited to race. Finally, get on the start line for one. Yeah, no, I'm definitely um, I'm definitely keen to just get, get out there and um, see if I'm any good at it. See if I enjoy it and um, go from there. I'm definitely not. I don't feel like I'm. I've prepared. Um, but I'm sure most people in their debut don't feel like they've prepared um, exactly how they should have. But, um, yeah, I definitely feel like um, it's been a long time coming and I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like I did a 30K event not long ago and felt pretty comfortable enough to uh, give me confidence but also enough to um, give me that realistic um, expectation of what, um, perhaps it's going to feel like in the latter stages. So, Riley, you're um, you might be caught in between a couple of packs, I reckon. Or have you got sort of ambitions to maybe go out with that that front group? So you have Brett, Tom, DeCanto, and and perhaps Ed Goddard. Um, like you've raced a few half marathons against these guys the last year, and you were just you sat off that back of that pack. Is that something you might do again? Just be be a solo race yeah look uh one of the key things uh for this marathon is to make sure that you know i do have a good experience so um i'll have to make that call on the day but um yeah i'm quite comfortable to to run on my own and run fairly even i do a lot of my training and uh seem to do a lot of races um on my own and i've been i'm pretty good at at uh, managing my own effort, so I don't think um, that will affect me too much. And what would yeah. be what would be a good day for you, time like t- time wise? What would be an A time, B time, and C time? Uh, I would say that A time would be around two fourteen something. Um, B time probably around the the two sixteen, two seventeen mark, and yeah. C time if I can um, manage to stay under two twenty, that would be. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be stoked with that, but, um, you know, it's the first one and I've seen plenty of good runners uh, not do that, so um, well aware of um, what can happen. What sort of mileage have you been um, banging out in the lead-up? Uh, so I probably started um, started getting back into training following a little bit of OP um, about, I reckon it's about eight or nine weeks ago now and uh, managed to get a couple of, 160k weeks out um so yeah not not like a massive amount of training but i think the preparation i did for gold coast was pretty good and and then obviously i had a little bit of a setback but um was able to pick things up pretty quickly i've been doing a bit of bike sessions on top of that here and there so um yeah felt like i've i'm just coming into a good patch now so maybe i haven't overcooked it like like in the past and Maybe it's just going to be the sweet spot. We'll see. Um, Riley, have you practiced and do you have a plan for strategies when things get hard late in the race? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
Oh, I guess I've never I've never run a marathon, so you know I ran I've run 30k and I, I felt pretty comfortable the whole way. I didn't go to the well in that event, um, but I yeah I in terms of yeah I don't know I've, I've I guess I've raced a lot over over um, over my life and had a lot of hard races and um, I tend to do a lot of counting. I don't yeah. know if that's if that's a good thing over a marathon, but um, it's good yeah, to practice. <laughs> yeah, I tend to be able to. I tend to be able to um, switch off to the pain a little bit, and and uh, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully I'm able to endure. Yeah, no one, no one's ever run an easy marathon from what I've what I've um, heard. So we'll definitely have to be prepared for that. So Riley, is that what you're excited by? Like feeling that. Uh... Like you know, you know you're going to cop some some hardship at some point. Does that excite you a little bit? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing I've I've sort of said, um, I've sort of said to people is that I, I probably do like that feeling of being, you know, depleted at the end of a of quite a you know a faster long run, and um, I do like that feeling as opposed to you know if you told me to go and run an 800 meters on the track, I kind of don't I don't really like that pain even though it lasts for two minutes i'd i'd probably rather um the slow the slow um yeah the slow pain of, of, yeah. a, of a marathon uh right two... oh, sorry just, go, just yeah, yeah just... two good ones are you um so the first part of the question is like are you self-coached and if so have you sort of picked the brains of anybody about the marathon in terms of like how you should be feeling and and nutrition and that sort of thing yeah so uh i Nick helps me out with it. He, certainly in the lead up to Gold Coast, um, he set me um, most of my main marathon sessions. So um, definitely picked Nick's brain there. And um, Grenville Wood is a South Australian record holder. I've had a number of chats with Grenville about the marathon. And um, yeah, I, I didn't really, just, I wasn't got like Melbourne. I kind of got myself into shape before I told Nick that I was going to run it. And um and then, yeah, he's given me a bit of advice in the last couple of weeks, but I sort of knew where I needed to get to based on the Gold Coast build-up. But um, yeah, definitely. I mean, with what with access to um, Strava and things like that, every time someone runs, you know, a two twelve or a two fourteen or um, around around that, you know, two ten, you you log on and have a look at what they've done, and um, you know, it's all. There's slight slight differences, but you know it's a lot of hard work, a lot of K's, and a lot of big sessions seem to be um, seem to be in the main state now. And I think I don't know whether the shoes have have meant that you're able to do that, but um, I, f- I feel like a lot of people are doing you know 20, 25, 30k sessions pretty regularly. Riley, what's the uh, South Australian record? Uh, it is it's high two twelves, really high two twelves, just under two thirteen. Um, okay. so it's something I, I definitely aspire to, to get to eventually, but, um, yeah, I don't think, um, you know, Melbourne is, is a quick course, but I don't think that it's, um, like that'd be, I think that that'd be pushing my, um, limitations and, and in my first marathon, I, yeah, I don't think I'll, I'll quite attack that pace. 
Yeah. What What's your prediction though? What do you think happens? Like, does Goddard run off the front super quick through five and ten k and and drag it, break it open early, or do you think it's a big pack going through five and ten k and you get a bit of a sit? Or like, give us your prediction. Uh, I I don't think. Um, I think that yeah. I think Ed and um, Tom will be a bit more angsty to get to get going and. Um, you know they're both in in really great shape, so they'll want to utilise that, and they've had a great block of training. So I think they'll probably be trying to stay within range of giving themselves a chance of uh, of qualifiers for for major championships. And um, I think Brett will follow, keep them, you know, within within a reasonable distance, and and really look to um, really look to close out well. So. Um, yeah, it would be it will be interesting how it pans out because I, I don't think uh, it's probably pretty risky to go off um, go off hard on your own. Um, I know the second half of Melbourne has a few sort of hills in it, and it's not yeah. going to be like it's not going to be cold. Um, it's going to be a bit of warmth there, and I don't know what the wind's doing, but um, it's probably always going to be a bit of wind about Lake uh, Albert Park, and so yeah, I think the longer that the pack stays together, probably the better, the better the the finish will be, and the and more people that will get good times. Yeah, well put. Mm-hmm. All right, well, massive thanks to Pillar Performance for making you two available tonight. Uh, good luck for your preparations. Sure, you both have amazing races on Sunday morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks for having us on. Guys. See you on the weekend. No worries. Founded and formulated by professional athletes and leading accredited sports dietitians. Pillar Performance is bridging the gap between clinical medicine and sports supplementation. Australia's first sports micronutrition brand, Pillar's range is purposefully formulated to support joint health, recovery, energy production, and immunity. Pillar believes that optimal recovery and performance is more complex than just managing your macros, and arguably it's the micros or vitamins and minerals that are the true heavy hitters in performance nutrition. Purposefully formulated with elite outcomes in mind, Pillar uses only the best ingredients at a clinical dose to fuel peak performance. Pillar's opening range is led by Motion Armor, a first-to-market joint protection formulation and triple magnesium, an elite sports magnesium for optimum muscle recovery. Pillar has become the choice of Australian sport thanks to their elite formulations and batch testing program, currently working with Ben St. Lawrence, Izzy Bat-Doyle and Riley Cox, along with more than 24 sporting teams across the country. For more information on Pillar Performance and their range of sports micronutrition, head to www.pillarperformance.com.au. To score yourself a discount on any purchases via Pillar's website, use the code INSIDE10 for $10 off at checkout. All right, fellas. Um, thanks and Patreon supporters. Do you want to kick Do us it. off, Brad? All right, I'll kick it off. I'm not sure how to pronounce this one, but I'll go with Sveen Lear uh, from Norway. Uh, he follows Christian on Strava, but he's on private, so we didn't get a lot of information. Uh, he's got a photo of himself fishing, um, catching a big fish as his display photo, and maybe does a bit of cross-country skiing, which is uh, pretty obvious given he lives in Norway. I think just about everybody does a bit of cross-country skiing over there, but uh, thanks for your support. Moose, are you thinking? Uh, yep. I have Ian... Comerford from Glenalta in South Australia. He's run 18, 16, 38, 46, 124 half marathon, 309 Adelaide marathon, 2021. 
he does a bit on the life fitness treadmills obviously connoisseur of treadmills brad he's got one of the good ones mm. um owns a dog gets out on the bike a bit seems to really enjoy nature has has some beautiful photos on his strava thank you ian i'm going to thank kurt tinnock from marrickville in new south wales he's also private on strava so uh this is the best i could do kurt i think 20 minutes at the centennial park park run in 2019, 42.39 at the Sydney 10K, 1.39 at the M7 half marathon, and 3.35 at the Blackmoors marathon in 2017. So a massive thanks for your support, Kirk. Kurt. I was thinking uh, this morning, guys, wouldn't it be a great gift if you um, would give someone a Patreon membership? That is it, Brady. Fantastic idea. If you're out there and you want a Patreon subscription but you don't want to pay for it, just tell your mum or your wife or your girlfriend or your sister or whoever buys your presents for Christmas, sign sign yourself or sign get them to sign you up. for a, Put your email address in for a Patreon subscription. Support the Inside Run podcast. You get all the bonus content. You get all the uh, bonus content we've always done in the past. You get the show early. Um, yeah, try and help us help support, bring exposure to Australian distance running. So you could, on, do, Brady. you could do that yeah. easy, couldn't you? You just put yeah. Carly one for Christmas. Well, you've just helped me because Viv keeps asking me what I want for Christmas. So there it is, Viv. There you go. All she has to do is put your email address in, but her yeah, bank okay. card details. You know what I mean? Yep. So she pays yep. for it, but you get access to it. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I don't have bank details. She has all my money anyway. Yeah. I'm surprised. She'd have you on an allowance or something, wouldn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Just drop in the account every two weeks. That's what happens when you don't have a job. Uh, there are a few people nearly got the the guesses with the Patreon content last week as well, boys. A few people getting very close to the money. Uh, you got some dates for me, Brad? We started talking about names with them last night. Yeah, so two of the names that have come up, uh, the long and the short of it, that's one suggestion, and the like other it. is Road to Somewhere. Uh, and at this stage, uh, we've locked in that the first recording will be um, the first week in January. So I think it's like January the 5th will be their first recording. But between now and then, we'll reveal each um, each person one week at a time um, and hopefully get them on for 10 to 15 minutes just to uh, hear about what their plans are for the next few months. Yeah. Any more hints you can give away, Crux? Putting you on the spot um, Yeah. Uh, well, I'd say that... Like, we've got a good range of distances, so, like, from probably 1,500 up to the marathon. You'd say 800 up to the marathon. Well, eight, oh, sorry, 800 up to the marathon, yeah, yeah. Mm. So they, That's the idea of the name, the long yeah. and the short of it. So they focus very much on a different a different distance. Um, yeah. That's one, one. We have one, of, one of them will be racing this weekend. Mm. Oh, yeah, yep. That's a good one. One of them. You never know what mm. one of them might be doing something up north that we don't even know about, though. Yeah, well, so there um, you go. One, one's, one lives up north. One lives north of Moama. All right. Uh, uh, Running new Sydney Harbour 10K croaks look twisty and turny. That's pretty yeah. – uh, it's a bit of a slow course. Well, no, not traditionally. Okay. Like, the course records, uh, Marty Dent's run 28-something there. Shit. Um, yeah, but what I – have heard is that because they had a bit of rain yeah. and some of the surfaces were on like like pavers which i don't think the wet pavers and um you know next percent and alpha flies go too well or any of the super shoes really so um, a few of the athletes that i coach 
um, said that yeah, you felt like you were sort of on a on a skate rink at times. Um, but the, yeah, the men's race was won by Ryan Gregson, 29:31. Benny Saint was second in 29:39, and Kieran Tall third, third in 30:29. Uh, in the women's, Eloise Wellings got the win there, 32-38. So it's a good hit out a week out from Melbourne Marathon for her. Lauren Reed was second in 32-57. Uh, and Ainsley Van Graan, who we talk about just about every week on this show, she was third in 33-52. Does like a podium in New South Wales, Ainsley. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the other big news from the weekend was that the Australian indoor record for 5,000 metres Went down. Ollie Hoare ran 1309.96 over 5K at the Boston University season opener. This is a result that qualifies him for the World Athletics Championships in Oregon 22. I'd assume as well, Commonwealth Games, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. does. He yep. breaks the old record by 27 seconds. He ran a PB for 5K by 13 seconds. Now holds their 1,500 and 5,000m Australian indoor records. Moves to number three in the world for 2021, number four all-time indoors or out for 5,000 metres. So um, pretty impressive. I think this was his first race back after mm. a bit of a break. They just wanted to see where he was at. So a little interview with him on Let's Run, and they were kind of thinking maybe 14, uh, 1320-ish. But, um, yeah, dropped down to 13.09. His train partner ran pretty well as well to... Um, that was beamish to run yep. to break the New Zealand indoor 5k record as well. I actually didn't know they went 5k indoors. Very rare for it to happen, isn't it? Like I know they do 3k a lot and mile and 1500s, but yeah, I, I can't remember too many 5k's indoors. Nah, maybe like was um didn't Rupp run one one year? Yeah. You go fast one year, and then did an Alberto put him on like a treadmill? It was doing mile yeah. laps or something afterwards. Or I reckon something. I've yeah. watched. I watched that on slow track. Yeah, or so have I. Yeah, and it's probably the same meet. I reckon. I think maybe one or two opportunities. Um, but boy, can he run well indoors? Oh. Like he's it's just yeah, freak. Yeah. He's just a suit. Like he's just a natural athlete. Like he's just so smooth when he runs, so powerful. Um, yeah, I, I, and I still think he's got a lot of improvement to come over the next few years. Hey, Moose, you spent last week with his coach. You were doing a presentation and, and Dathan Ritzenheim was on the um, panel as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he there's three coaches that presented and he was one of them. And um, he talked about coaching Ollie into, the, uh, into Tokyo and sort of mentioned how uh, they put a lot of energy into some of the earlier races. It's, he said Ollie's a really emotional kind of guy and needs to... He needs to have races built up as if they're really important in his head for him to race well. Uh, he works really well on that kind of um, empowerment, I guess. And but it does take a toll when you're sort of an emotional person like that. It's more of a roller coaster of highs and lows, and it can wear you out. And he mentioned that maybe that was something uh, contributed to to why he was didn't quite get that final result that he wanted. Um, because maybe they just got up a few too many times in the season. Did you go before or after Dathan? Like, was he listening to your presentation? I went after. Um, he probably had it on mute, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> What's he run to, all right? Oh, he's run under 13 minutes. He's yeah. run like 12.55 or something. That's pretty cool, though, that you're on the same, same thing as him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he sounds like a great bloke and really likes the Australians there that he's coaching. Morgan McDonald as well said they're totally different, those two, Ollie and Morgan. Um, 
And yeah, he, I mean, look what he's doing. He's got those guys running so well. It's yeah. so it's really impressive to so watch. So well, he, so quickly. The culture, because they do a lot of media stuff, and you always see him at the track talking to them before mm-hmm. sessions and after sessions. And the culture they've built in such a small period of time, his leadership must be, um, yeah, whatever he's doing mm-hmm. is obviously working really, really well. They just believe in him so much. And yeah, he seems to have a really like approachable, like fair yeah. firm kind of relationship with them that they kind of joke around with him, but then they... Absolutely, I think he cares. Him. He, like the fact that he cares yeah. makes it makes people buy in um, yeah. and trust and uh, commit to the the program and, and sacrifice for the program. And obviously, he's got the right people around, so he doesn't just go get fast people. He gets fast people who are um, quite uh, like personable, like Morgan and, and and Ollie. Obviously, like you know, we've <laughs> I don't think we've had Ollie on, have we? No, but, no, we haven't. Yeah, but more like you know how good Morgan is. He can just like he just like one of the one of the guys on a Sunday run. He just seems awesome. Mm. Yeah, and the content they produce is amazing as well. Like I was watching his YouTube channel yesterday, just so down to earth and accessible, and it just that's good for our sport to have that kind of exposure. Those guys letting people see what they do. And from what mm. I've seen, it sounds like uh, Ollie's proven that you don't need a great diet to run fast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we'll see how much faster he can go. Yeah, yeah. Valencia Marathon moves. Catch much of this yesterday? Got the results in front of you? Yeah, I did actually. I put it on. So I um, uh, I mean, it was a good footage. These guys do it well. Have split screens and all that. Um, it was a bit windy, I think, out there. Jeffrey Kamwawa was running his first marathon since getting hit by that motorbike, and. Uh, we like, I mean, he's a favorite of mine. I like watching him run and it was quite a good race in the end. Things, things escalated towards the finish. So Lawrence Tirona, he was, I mean, he's an athlete as well. He's obviously an athlete, but he's one of the, he was one of the favorites going in and, um, he ended up sprinting towards the end, running 205.12 to fend off Ethiopian Deso Charlu, 205.16. And yeah, the, the NN guys, Philemon Kacharan rounded off the podium. He was third, but Jeffrey Kamwal will come from the second group back and I reckon 500 meters longer and he's winning that race. Oh, he really? was charged. Yeah, yeah, he was charging down. He wasn't in any of the screens. So, you know, when they've got the, the camera on the front group, wasn't you couldn't see him. And then with a K to go, all of a sudden, you see this white top, orange shorts just coming up the road and getting closer and closer and closer and he just left his run that little bit too late well i was watching it i didn't see it past probably 20 25k but he was in it was a big gap back to the second group like different motorbike different screen yeah yeah he was yeah in a different race altogether yeah yeah well he i mean he he bridged the gap and it was pretty good for those uh, i mean he didn't win but I think he was pretty happy. He ran a big PB, PB and he yeah. raced it perfectly. Yeah. And he's back too. Like, it's good to see him back. One of the, remember they used to call him like um, Kip Chogi's apprentice and stuff when he was winning yeah, well, I mean, and stuff there. He's got that. I mean, he was the half marathon king. Mm. At he Valencia. In, in Valencia, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Didn't he run and like it, 13, yeah. 18, 5K split or something no, there? Quicker than that. It was 13.01, I think. 13.01, yeah. It was it was ridiculous. Everyone thought they had the timing mats wrong, but <laughs> he had a tailwind and he just yeah. It was he he was unbeatable for a while. Mm. Women's race, one under two twenty. Yeah, 
Um, again, it's hard. Some, like they don't really highlight the women's races. It's not great, and they don't put the splits up too well. And they're hidden by the men in the pack. Yeah. But um, it was Nancy Jalagut. Jalagut secured Kenyan double, so she's a Kenyan. She went in two nineteen thirty one. So sub sub two thirty sub two twenty is just becoming the norm at these big marathons now. Um, she she beat Ethiopia's Waldu Etagin. Uh, who ran 2.20.16. Uh, so you, you don't quite get the same, um, oh, what do you call it, like uh, you don't get the same effect when the cameras aren't on them all the time, the ladies. The, the race doesn't play out and you're not really invested in it just because you're missing like massive chunks. I wish they would just do like split screen all the time. So you didn't have to, you didn't lose it. Or separate races like London, like start them half an hour oh, yeah. earlier that's, and that's then good, go yeah. split screen when they're both on the roads. It's definitely nice to see the women racing the women, not the women racing like a few amateur men, the paces they've got sorted out, bikes beside them. Like I like to see the actual race happening. Mm. Um, gets a little bit sort of diluted and um confusing when there's so many bodies around i think it will change i think we'll look back in three or four years and be like remember when the women used to be in with the men like yeah it's still i don't think it's yeah i'm the same as you i think it's not as good viewing experience not as good racing experience for the women like it's like a whole different yeah yeah yeah, issue like yeah um listen to question bradley all right this week's question comes from brock freeman hey guys running power seems to be growing in popularity at least amongst tech companies uh, like stride and Coros. have you trained or considered training with power opposed to heart rate pace or feel this might negate some issues with heart rate fluctuations between the morning and pm or morning and afternoon he's referring to moose there control the effort on long runs referring to me there and clear up any inconsistencies with GPS through industrial estates. That's for you, Brady. Uh, too good of an opportunity to stir the pot. Interested in your thoughts. Keep up the good work. This is about the only podcast I consistently listen to. Thanks, Brock. Thanks, Brock. Home man at the industrial estate for ages, though, Brock. Need a, need a new <laughs> dig at me. Need a new stir of the pot. And I ran, and I ran slow last <laughs> or yesterday. And you don't know what my heart rate is because I'm not on Strava, Brock. But Brock, please do not Catch cancel up, your mate. Patreon subscription. Oh, please, <laughs> please keep your subscription there. So Power's been around for a bit. I remember it came onto my Garmin. Like Garmin introduced it back when I had a, the Phoenix um, and I played with it for like a couple of days. It's, it's a little different. You know, like cycling is just dominated by power meters. And that's what everyone trains with and they race with as well. And at the end of each stage, like in the tour, they'll talk about what sort of power they put out, averages, what sort of power they pushed going up a hill. Um, but it's a lot more accurate because of they actually have power meters in their cranks, like in their pedals. And so you can measure like how much power is going through. Whereas um, with running, they use an algorithm based on a few different uh, like variables or data inputs. Um, I think one of them's like speed, acceleration, elevation. So uh, they they basically can the GPS provides a bunch of all that stuff, and you, they plug it into an algorithm, and they can work out the power that um, that you're putting out by, I guess, that calculation. 
I don't think it's quite as accurate as cycling, and and it certainly hasn't been taken by the running world as accurately. And and there's a few sort of things where like I don't love it as much. Um, one thing is because I like I find heart rate heart rate's telling you something. So in the mornings, when my heart rate's no good, it's telling me you're not in the condition to go harder than what I was what I'm actually doing there. Whereas the the power doesn't take that into account. So the power is looking at my speed, my acceleration and like the elevation. So if I'm having a bad morning, if I haven't slept well, if I've got a virus, those sort of things, the heart rate's telling me you, you got to take it easy today. Um, or if I'm doing a threshold, maybe the power that day is I have to run lower, lower power um, and, and lower threshold. But if, if I don't have my heart rate on and my heart rate's not telling me things, then I'll be pushing the power and I'll be starting to, to work myself into a hole because you start to, to not use feedback, not use your own internal feedback like that. And the heart rate is internal feedback, right? It's, it, it, it's your body telling you how hard you're going. Um, power doesn't really calculate that. Power, power calculates how hard or um, how would you describe it? The energy it, moving through your, like, isn't that how it works? Or the energy yeah, yeah, pushing through much. the foot in the ground. Yeah, sort of. That's what it's trying to calculate. It's, it can't actually measure that exactly because oh, you don't okay. have you not you don't have like force plates under your feet. If you know what I mean, it can't actually measure the power, but it has an algorithm to try to work it out using a bunch oh, of gotcha. stuff. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's why I don't use it. I think heart rate's more valuable. Um, I just think there's not a lot of knowledge around around using power either. Uh, I, I think it's starting to bring in extra variables that might start complicating things when we're running. Like how many different things do we need to, to be looking at and worrying about when we're doing a workout or or a long run or an easy run? Yeah, and we're pretty wired to look at A, pace, and B, heart rate. Like, yeah. yeah but years even and years even that could, that even you could, you could say that's too many things to worry about. And sometimes I yeah. look at heart rate when the workout's done just to be like, was it in the right zone? And yeah, I look at pace, pace when the, I look at yeah. pace afterwards because yeah. that's irrelevant. Heart rate's what I want. Yeah. Good question though. I think you've summarised that well, Moose. I've got nothing to add there. But Bradley, do you? No, no. I, I struggle to have a fully powered iPad for a live stream, so I've got <laughs> You'd no like chance to give with our power Give something. I have tried no, what? it. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah, Stry did send me one, and I did try it for a while. But then I'm just like, I'm not sure what this means. I've got these reference points that I use for um, heart rate and pace, and then I honestly just didn't have the the time, the energy to invest in the learning how to use it because I was pretty satisfied with what I already get from pace and heart rate and stuff. So not saying it's like not valuable. It just wasn't valuable for me at that time in my life when I was playing around with it. Moose, do you know much about the difference between like the algorithm that you said off the watch, but you didn't have like like the difference between just the watch and having like a foot pod? Because obviously the stride, they have a thing you got to put on your shoe, don't you? Yeah, you can put something on a shoe. Maybe it measures like... um... Maybe it might measure stride length and stuff like that. I'm I'm not sure. I'm just looking at yeah. one the watch one, um, but that, like obviously yes, yeah, stride does have the pod, mm. uh, and there was someone else was trying to get us to go by power, weren't they? 
was it did we have that evan evan schwartz remember he, yeah he, he, yeah, he yeah. works he works for stride oh it was stride was it yeah i forgot he was who he was. sent it to me yeah oh was he yeah yeah, yeah. and like look, if it was like if it got to the point where it was super accurate and like i don't know enough about it but if it if it got super accurate then i can see value in it um especially when you're working over different terrains but I just, but it's, it's no different to heart rate obviously if you start working harder your heart rate's going to go up so yeah. it's yeah, yeah you're still getting the same feedback in a way it's just one's heart rate one's how much power you're putting out so i i think where cyclists so the reason why cyclists use power and are so good at it is they know exactly what range of power they can maintain for a long period of time so unless you know that the you know the data it's and i guess it's different the same as heart rate like if you don't know what heart rate where you start to get into the red zone then that doesn't you know provide any any value either um, but if you knew exactly what power range that you could hold for a long period of time like that would certainly stop you from blo- like potentially blowing up um, yeah, if you're yeah, going up, yeah. if you're going up, if you're going up a hill or whatever, you go. Okay, I just need to keep in this power zone, but it's the same as. Oh, I just need to keep my heart rate in this same zone. Yeah, and I'm sure exactly, if you put the time yeah. and energy into it, you could figure that out pretty quick by doing a few power yeah. tests. Yeah, but yeah, yeah um, I, don't know, I don't know enough about it, but I'd be I'd be willing to give it a try. Yeah, you um, would be nerdy if, with that kind of stuff. I well, yeah, you know, but only if somebody was there to actually like that could analyze it and give me the data that I needed. Like, so when I'm out running, I go, okay, I need to see in this zone. You need a, um, I don't know a, anybody who does that. There's a coach. There's a coach in Melbourne that uses power, and um, I had a chat with him one day, and he he said the same thing as you. He's like, if we know the power, then we can run races accurately. We just sit in the power zone, right? Yeah. We just sit in this power, and we know that we won't blow up, and that's the amount of power we can put out to the finish line safely. Yeah. Uh, but I love the example of was it um, Pogacar last year. In, in the two or the, the year before in the tour who rode the last time trial without a power meter up the hill because he didn't want any limitation on him and he didn't want to know he just wanted to, to absolutely bury himself going to the well and take away any type of external influence on his performance i thought that was one of the coolest things ever yeah and, and i guess this all come this like comes back to racing versus training as well like like i don't see much value in racing to like you like i know moose you're doing a lot at the moment to heart rate training wise but there's no way you're going to get in serious race and run to heart rate never never so there's two different and that's the difference between pogachar it's like that's a race so he just wants to absolutely empty everything and not worry about where he should be sitting which is different different to training yeah but also they've got a 14 day race and if they don't probably stick to more uh sort of strict guidelines around how much effort they can put out they might be out of the race after five, five that, um, stages that time trial i think was on like the, the second last day oh, it was so, the race yeah. for it was the yeah. the yellow jersey in a 6k uphill yeah so you don't need to conserve for the next day nah. like that's pretty much it yeah. exactly you could just empty it right there mm. yeah good chat fellas moose on the loose purchase of the week rules of strava what do you got <laughs> um but, well, oh. oh, look, firstly, just as a trail race this weekend, Mount Bulwungor, it's called Run the Mount. Um, we're a sponsor of the running company, so good to get it. It's a good race. If you didn't make Melbourne or you don't want to do something on the road, then brilliant trail. You remember I went down there last year. Uh, so, Sorry, firstly, Krebs, just... I can't remember this intro to this segment being like, plug the race here at Spencer. <laughs> hey, 
I'm a sponsor of the race. I'm allowed to plug a race that I'm sponsoring. Yeah, that's in the what's coming up section. I want something better for Moose on the loose perch of the week. Well, in okay. Moose's in Moose's defence, it's probably not a lot of like most people have their races planned. You know, more than three days out. No, nah, there's always most people, be listen, most people will be listening to this on a Wednesday. It's like, oh, you want to race in two days' time? I should have done this last week. That's my bad. Um, but it is a good race. And, yep, so purchase of the week. Jeez, what have I done? Had a little flutter on the uh, on the betting app before in the Melbourne Marathon. That's always fun. What else did we do? Did I buy something? Oh, I got a membership to the Anglesey Footy Club gym. So I've been smashing out some local gym, just looking for my photo on the wall, but they haven't got it up yet. Might have to send them another couple of photos to put up there. Aren't you a member at another gym? Yeah, but it's in Torquay. It's a little bit further down the road. Um, and, like, I honestly can't be bothered driving that far to the gym. It's like 15, 20 minutes away, so I can go five minutes and relive the glory days. Don't you kind of have a gym in your shed as well? Isn't there like thousands of dollars worth no. of equipment in your shed? Yeah, in my, in my spare room. But this one doesn't have like the – I need the knee extension machine because that's what works my knee the best. Because uh, I've – like my body is pretty good. I've got a little bit of OP, so I need to be careful. But my knees – my running's – my running's picked up pretty quickly. My knees are still a little shaky. So i got to get back on there on the strength program, which – as you run more, you, you you drop off your strength stuff. It's just natural. You're using more energy running. You're getting more tired from that. And um, I got to get back. I got to be more consistent with it. So if somewhere's closer that has one of those machines, then I'll go there. So that's that's why I'm there. Very good, Radio. What's coming up? Nike Melbourne Marathon this weekend. Who wins, Brad? The men's and women's. Ooh. Um, I will go. Oh, down to two for me, Brett or Tom, um, in the men's. It's just oh. say your name, yeah. Brad. I'll go. I'll go Brett, um, just because he's got the time on the board, and he basically all he has to do is sit with Tom. Um, you know, he doesn't have to do any work, and and hopefully, and rely then hopefully on his closing speed over the last couple of k. Uh, and the women's, I will go with Eloise. Moose, who you got? Uh, I got Tom. He's won at Melbourne before. He's uh, probably more consistent marathoner than Brett, you would say, just because we've seen some, some issues with Brett in the past over the marathon. Um, if he makes it quick from the gun, then he's going to give himself every chance to win. Then in the ladies, Millie Clark. Again, consistent marathoner, very consistent marathoner. Um, not having to back up like Aloise from London, that's going to be tough. That wasn't that long ago, really. That was only, what, six weeks ago or so. Mm. Uh, pretty tight turnaround there, the recovery, the quarantine coming back, maybe. I think she did quarantine coming back. So you're not put, giving weeks. yourself a lot of, yeah, not giving yourself a lot of time to get some more long runs in. So, yeah, nearly for me in the marathon. Got any tips for the half, boys? Well, Jack Rain is running. He's always pretty difficult to bet against in a half. I still remember that Com, com Half Marathon champs where he just destroyed those Ugandans and um, mm. maybe the Kenyans in that last sort of 1K. And Gold Coast, uh, he did the same to the Japanese guys. Mate, he it's very hard. rarely loses a mm. half. I know. Yeah, it's just hard to know what shape 
or everyone's in at the moment because like like based on I know Jack puts most things on Strava like it doesn't seem like he's had a an, an amazing prep like it's been a bit sort of disjointed but yeah like but based on track record um, he doesn't lose many right halves now. yeah yeah still got to respect the name don't you yeah Craig are you picking anyone uh yeah I'll go well, I'll stick with I'll go with Jack then in the heart in the men's and uh I'll go easy Bat Doyle in the half in the women's. Moose women's, who you got? Um, Sinead. <laughs> also very hard to beat in a half. Mm. Similar similar description to Jack Rayner. So, what, so what about you, Brady? You haven't given your tips. I'm in the race, mate. So I just I'm the neutral here. You're not, you're not sitting, in the half. I'll be sitting back. Uh, tips. You're allowed to say yourself. Half. Um. I'm very interested to see what Dave McNeil does in the half. Um, yeah. It, from all reports, he's in very good shape. He had an amazing year where he was still running PBs. He's got a wise head on his shoulders. Uh, but it's, you know, 10K more than what he's used to, 11K more than what he's used to, so that'd be interesting. And the women's, I think, Izzy Bat Doyle, if she's there with two, one and a half, 1K to go, she'll be very hard to, to close um, quicker than. So, yeah, I'll go with those two there. I don't know, the men's marathon, like it's it's hard to tip against Brett Robinson because he's so classy, but the marathon has caused him issues, I think, for mm. the five starts he's had. So, um, yeah. So he's sitting on the fence. No, yeah. so I think I think Tom and Ed, I'm sure they're going to have a conversation, their training partners, and say, we're going to make this as hard as possible for Brett if they're going to have a chance to win it. I'd say they have some kind of plan. And they, they want to bring on those stomach issues and test Brett's stomach out, I think, don't they? They're not going to sit there and make it slow in 2.14, 2.15 and let him kick home with a K to go. So, um, yeah, but at the same time, Brett's a 2.10 dude. I know. Like, we're but forgetting that. We're making different... out like all he does is close. Marathon's hard. He's, it, he's run 2.10. He's a different athlete. He's an Olympic finalist. He's a world yeah. champs finalist. But they're all, we're talking about him over 5 and 10 achieving those things. Um, well, but he's, he's yeah. run 2.10. He has. Tom's run 2.14. It's... There's, and that's, and that's what I was. But that's what I was saying, Moose. Is that all he has to do because he's run like substantially faster than the other guys? Is just sit on them and hopefully at that. And because those guys have to run significant PBs to probably put Brett's stomach under stress. Because yeah. the, the the pace that if they go out at their PB pace, that's probably okay for Brett, and he maybe doesn't have too many stomach issues. Yeah. But I guess we'll find out. Because probably everyone is is gone pretty quick too, through half. So um yeah, watch your, watch your stuff. He hasn't gone through in he hasn't gone through in um sixty six. Yeah, exactly. That's Taking it. through in that's... 66, 66, yeah. 30, 67. Oh, that's it. So it's over six. Yeah, six minutes slower than his <laughs> half PV. Like <laughs> it's gonna feel like he's jogging, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be exciting to watch there. I'm sure Melbourne do have a live stream up and about. Um, Patreon supporters of Vic 5Ks tomorrow night, Tuesday night. They've got a live stream, so if you're looking for races to watch, that will be also on tomorrow night. Uh, what's happening between now and next week, Croaks? Uh, watching you run a PV in the marathon. That's good. Thanks for the none confidence. Of, none of this. None of this next year, mate. Pretend like pretend this is your last marathon. Go out there and run a PV. Yeah, I'll have a crack, Brad. You know that. Always have a crack. Just go downplay things about five or six days out. Just keep the energy yeah. low. Moose, what are you doing? Just, just want, you just want to finish. Just want to, fi- just want to finish um, this one. I'll be mixing your drinks up for for you, Willow. Race morning. 
Kill him next. Oh, I'll probably give oh, him trust to you. Trust me with that. Yeah. Probably give him to Rory <laughs> next depends, one. Depends, depends what time he's on for at 30K. If you're Are going, you going to, if you're going to break Moose's PB, then you probably won't get a drink at 35. Maybe getting anywhere near Moose's PB. That's all Are you That's um? Are you going to that elite thing on the Saturday, Moose? The meeting? Me? Yeah. What for drink? For drink givers? I'll give it to you there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm working Saturday. I'll be up Saturday night. I'll just zip around the town on my e-bike collecting everyone's drinks. Isn't it going to be great Stay to off. see everyone in person? Like, podcasts and that are good. We talk regularly and you kind of have social media. You see people post and stuff all the time. But like, I can't remember the last time I saw you in person. And, like, Zach or Mattress, I, haven't, I talk to them every day and hardly ever see them. Like, it's going to be some That's good, a shame. There's going to be some good people in the same spot. Mm, well, you'll zip past me, but we won't stop for a chat. <laughs> Well, hopefully when stay I give my drinks course, to you on Saturday night. Yeah, stay off the course. I don't, don't want to get disqualified if you stuff don't up. Don't get the athletes DQ'd. Well, you've got to get down Beaconsfield somehow. How else are you going to get down without being on the course? Mm. On the footpath? That's what I want to know. Yeah, the, that big footpath. It's, it's the other side that's the problem. Everyone crosses the road and, and rides back up, the, um, back up towards Fitzroy Street on the course just because it's so easy. It's all open. There's no one around or anything. So imagine, imagine that, yeah. Brady. You've got all your drinks. You're coming into the MCG. You're about to run a PB, and then somebody, one of the officials, steps out and gives you a red paddle because Moose has been on the course. But Tim, I'm actually Tim not. Steps out with the paddle with 100 meters yeah. to go. Get I'm not connected to Brady in any way. Yeah. No, but you're handing him his drinks. Aren't How you? do you know that? Is he is he nominated just, me? Because you no, just said no paperwork. There's no paper trail. There's nothing there. I'm just a random bloke throwing throwing drinks out. I don't even know who you are. No, you wouldn't recognise me. Well, good luck, Brady. No, thanks, boys. We might throw to some of the audio from the live stream last night, and uh, we'll do it all again next week. See you, boys. See you later. All right, boys, let's get into previewing some of the elite fields for next weekend. And uh, to help us do that is uh, Tim Crosby. So Tim is the elite athlete coordinator and competition director. He's also the recreational running coordinator at AFS Victoria and the founder of Crosby Crew. Welcome, Tim Crosby. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good to be on board. Good, good. Yeah, so you won't be running next weekend, but come Sunday afternoon, you probably will have felt like you've run a marathon. Oh, it's actually an amazing feeling, Brad. Just like the the runners, you go through a. I sit usually down the basements of the MCG, and I think, Christ, all those hours and hours and hours of work, and now it's over. And you you go through a little bit of a depression as you know, as someone who's a key organizer mm. of the event, and um, all you're doing is you're left uh, packing up uh, boxes of bananas and stuff like that, and you think, well, that's it, it's coming, it's gone. Um, but it's a. Honestly, it's a great experience, though, and there's nothing like uh, having the MCG is there for the for this event. Can you just give us a, a rough outline of like how how your weekend, like what you what you'll do next weekend, and yeah. also how long the how long well when you basically started planning for this event? Well, this one's been a funny one, hasn't it? Because we had the the original October date, which uh, didn't go ahead, uh, and then we've shifted to December, and that looks like it's going to work quite nicely. Uh, the weekend itself is pretty full on because we start, uh, I'll be there probably about nine o'clock on the Saturday. We'll start setting up. Um, we've had a few queries, oh, why isn't the 10K 
Uh, and the other events on a bit earlier on the Saturday, and we bumped them out to the afternoon. But there's actually a cricket match on on the Friday night, so we can't bump in too early. So we'll be bumping in on the Saturday morning, and we do start doing things like the briefings. So I'll have all the paces in. I think they're at eleven thirty briefing, and then the um, the elites will be in at one o'clock, and then we're going to start the events at three o'clock. So it's going to be probably more of a full on Saturday than the norm when we're just the one day of eventing. Uh, Sunday morning, I'll be there at four o'clock. Uh, we're expecting the first runners in at about four thirty. Uh, we're shipping them over the start line about five thirty, and then six thirty for the the half marathon. As soon as the half's over, we're back to the MCG onto the finish line, and I'll have my team. Which yeah, I'm so lucky. I've got a great team. I've got volunteers uh, who just help me no end on that day. Just identifying the winners, uh, managing the pace groups, all those sort of things, and um, that team really is essential. You know, there's just a, a lot more than just me running this thing down in the basement. So it's a big weekend, and as I said, it uh, does take its toll, but gee, it's worth it in the end. Yeah, well said. Tim, the uh, Elite Fields came out, I think, Friday. I think I received an email, and they're pretty deep. The uh, the marathon and the half, I guess, limited opportunities for Australians to travel overseas, what we usually might see in a spring or kind of summer. Um, but you must be pretty happy with the way they've come together. Certainly am, Brady. And, but the, also the good thing, uh, it's well predominantly Australians, Well, apart mm. from maybe Lydia mm. O'Donnell if she lines up the, the Kiwi. So... You know, I suppose when you look at Melbourne and our philosophy over the years, we've had a, a very strong tilt. And I've sort of pushed this a lot with IMG that we want to support Australian athletics. We want to support Australian athletes. And we certainly put more emphasis on building a domestic field than an international field. Hence why you know, we don't have the internationals like uh, Gold Coast or Sydney might because actually we're not a labelled event as yet. So we don't have to. So we certainly have a strong focus and have. You have a look at the winners list um, you know, over the years, particularly in the women. You know, most of the major Australian female Olympians have won this event, uh, the current batch. And you look, you know, Liam and Tom and um, you know, Brad Milosevic, they've also had a chance to win. And with that win... You know, at the moment, prize money is $20,000. So it's a nice little payday and it's really good that we can uh, build that tradition. But I think we also build a lot of respect within the Australian uh, distance running community because of the way that we do go out of our way to support those athletes. This year, the budgets are a little bit tighter. This year, you know, due to the honouring of all the 2020 entrants, we're not doing as much support, but, gee, the prize money is still on the line and, and it, you know, the, the prize money is there to be had and it will be won by Australians this year. Let's talk about the uh, who potentially might win the prize money. I'll ask, I'll ask you for a definite answer in a second, but let's talk about the women's marathon to start off with. We've got Millie Clark, an Olympian, top 20 finisher at the Olympics. We've got Eloise Wellings, also an Olympian. And I've got Marnie Ponton down as my predicted top three. Anyone else excite you or any comments there about the women's field for the marathon? Wasn't it nice when Eloise jumped from the half marathon to the marathon? It really, um, I'm not sure what Millie was thinking when she found out, but uh, it's certainly, um, it, it's making for a very enticing battle, that one. Uh, I'll be very interested to see the strategies on the day, how it pans out. Both are going to have pacemakers as well. So they've both got their assistance. Uh, they'll both have the bikes out there as well, assisting them, you know, with the drinks and things like that. And I'm just really, you know, when you look, you know, 228 PB for Clark, 229 recent PB for Wellings. Eloise a little bit quicker over the half, but that was in 2016, I think. You know, um, Millie we know is in good shape. I do agree, Ree Marnie, and you know, and I think I've said this to Marnie. I don't think Marnie's ever achieved a really good marathon yet. This could be her chance. She's a 237, but we know that she's better than that. 
Uh, 72.21 for the half marathon indi- indi- indicates that she can go quick, and I think her preparation appears to be good. Don't discount Sarah Klein as well, you know, Com Games World Champs uh, representative. And Sarah, from I've seen her dashing around Albert Park Lake. She's looking good, uh, and she ran um, very well at the, the Free K Champs or the uh, Miles Cup not too long ago. Probably the dark horse is Lydia O'Donnell. I haven't heard much of what, you know, she was a bit of a late entrant into this one. I haven't heard much about her form. Uh, so the Kiwi could um, sort of try and vie for a top three, which she has done before. I think she's come second or I think maybe third before in this event. So, you know, she knows the course, she knows the event. So O'Donnell's another one to watch out for. And the men's. We've got uh, just fresh off the Tokyo Olympics. His last race would have been the marathon there, Brett Robinson. Uh, Tom DeCano, his previous yep. winner of the half and the marathon. Ed Goddard making his debut. He's represented Australia at the World Uni Games over a half marathon. And a pretty uh, gutsy kind of, uh, a bit of a rare racer. You're never sure what you're going to get with Goddard, I think. So it could be a very interesting debut there. And Riley Cox, who's also been on those World University teams before. Who do you like there? And am I missing anyone for a potential yeah, dark that's my top four as well at the moment, Brady. So... Really, it's hard to go past Brett, Brett. When you look, you know, 59.57 for the half and, you know, the Australian record holder and 2.10 uh, marathon. He's been around that mark a few times. Um, he's not actually getting the number one bib, though, um, but maybe a little bit controversially. But I did give the number one to Tommy because uh, he has won the event before. And he's, you know, him and, and the whole run crew group from up in Sydney are massive supporters of the Melbourne, uh, Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival. And and uh, so Tommy's going to wear the, the prestigious number one. But, um I, you know, Tommy always talks himself down. I know he's in good shape, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of a challenge to Brett. But I, from what I'm hearing, Brett is prepared to go it alone and just carve it out out there. Um, and yes, as you say, Riley 62.54 for the half, so he's you know debuting. It will be interesting. I know a lot of these guys put a lot of emotional energy into um, uh, Gold, Gold Coast, Coast, which didn't, yep. yeah, didn't go ahead. They've had to regroup, regather, get it uh, back onto the the training, um, and you know try and line up for this one. And we know too that you know it's been you know what's going to the, the Melbourne weather going to be like in December. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we think it's going to be okay. So I'm hoping we present uh, good conditions because we know that this is a fast course. You know, people. I don't know why they talk the Melbourne course down because it does have a few rises, but sometimes those rises are just what you need to break up the monotony of a flat course. And, you know, we think, you know, you look at what, you know, Diver did a few years ago for 225 on a pretty crappy day and has only gone one minute better than that in London. Melbourne can be bloody quick, so we know it. And um, if these guys, you know, get their act together and people like Riley, but, yeah. Ed, to me, is the, the dark horse, but also the excitement factor. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to see what, um, what Ed can do. 62-16 for a half, he can run. Uh, it's a matter of how he's come back from injury and things like that. So we'll, we'll just, you know, it's going to, a lot of stories will be told after the race. We know that. Yeah, Tim, and you spoke about the women women bringing their own pacemakers. Has there been any talk that one of the boys will have someone sending them down the road for a few K? I've tried but failed to get a pacemaker. It really is hard because um, there's so many good names racing who are the only ones who could potentially pace at the pace they need to go at. So, yeah, it is a bit of a shame that the guys, and as I said, from my discussions around Brett, I think he's prepared to just carve it out out there. So we'll just see, you know, what happens and how that pans out. But there, there's no one giving them any assistance. And maybe that's the next thing we've got to work on with Australian uh, marathoning for men. If we're going to have these really good races in Australia, Gold Coast and Melbourne in particular, the two quickies, we've got to try and get that consolidated effort to try and get some pacemakers for it because it's very hard to. 
Interesting you said that about Brecht's uh, potential tactics because when I saw his name on the entry and fresh off kind of Tokyo, I thought it might have been a bit of a sit-and-kick job and try to try to fill his pockets with $20,000, and he's, he's coming up next. So I'm looking forward to um, asking him about that, which could be yep. quite uh, quite interesting on race day. It, it could prove me totally wrong. Who, who yeah, knows? He, so, yeah. he, he, might be, he might play the poker face. We'll see what, he, what Brett has to say. What do you say? And then the women's half marathon. This, for me, is, um, is all class in this race. You've got Sinead Diver, fresh off the Olympics, Jess Stenson, fresh off running the fastest marathon ever on Australian soil for a female. Izzy Bat-Doyle making her debut, who represented Australia at the 5K at the Olympics. And also Leanne Pompiani, who I think could be uh, set for a huge debut as well. Um, tell me more about this field. Who am I leaving off? Who, who excites you? Oh, look, I've yet again, Brady, you've matched my top four. Simple as that. Um, there is other talent in this race, uh, but you can't go past those. You know, 68.50 for divers. When you look at Jess's PBs, they're not as solid as some of the other girls, but that two. 25 in Perth. To me, that was a 223 in a major. Mm. Honestly, you know, this this girl is in form. How she's pulled up for that, we'll find out. But I don't think they'd be racing unless they thought Jess could give this a red hot go. And I think, you know, when we talk super shoes and all those sort of things, we sort of know too that the recovery from the major events is a lot better than it used to be when racing flats were flat. Um, so I think Jess will, will go well. Izzy, I'm very interested to see what Izzy can do. I, I think Izzy can serve it right up to them. And if it gets down to a bit of a sprint finish, you might want to have your money on uh, Bat Doyle because uh, she might deliver. Uh, I've always been a fan of um, Pompiani. Um, I like what Leanne does. And uh, 32, 26, 10K. Uh, she's run a 71.47, uh, but I think she's got the sub-70 in her as well. Uh, it could be time and, you know, I'd like to see what she can do over the marathon at some stage as well. I think Leanne definitely is a, an exciting prospect in Australian athletics and, you know, because we've got to start looking what is the next generation and because uh, there has to be a next generation and uh, to me Leanne is definitely leading the way as one of those. And the men's half marathon, Jack Rayner. I think I've got three Olympians there, Jack Rayner, Sam McEntee, Dave McNeil. Uh, you've also got Jack Bruce and Tim Vincent coming down from Queensland, who's had some pretty impressive races. Uh, he won a solid 10K up there a few weeks ago on the roads, on the bridge to bridge. So also some exciting people to watch there. Yeah, oh, that's my order as well at the moment. Um, you know, who knows what sort of, you know, because we haven't seen a lot of racing from the guys, Brady. That's the thing. We mm. haven't, you know, since the Olympics, there's you know, been downtime for a lot of the Olympians there. And as we know, Melbourne's only just coming back out to have events. And this is the first major event in Australia, actually, for, for quite a long time. Interesting to see some results coming through from Sydney today, though, at the 10K, and there's some good stuff coming out of there. But, you know, Jack, if in, in reasonable form, is, is always – because he's such a great competitor. You know, Jack Rayner is a competitor, but so is Dave McNeil. Uh, Jack Bruce, 28.15 for, for 10K. He can run too. And uh, then McEntee, 28.17, his PB over 10. And I, I, I'm right with you too on, on Timmy Vincent. You know, I've uh, been on teams with Tim before. Great guy. Um, really exciting what's happening up in Queensland. They're delivering some really good athletes out of um, out of you know the northern states now, which um, I, I think is yeah, quite exciting because the New South Wales Victorian dominance and also South Australia with uh, Team Tempo. Uh, it's you know we know that those guys can run, and, and Tim to me is a bit of a dark horse. And I yet again will be interested to see how he shapes up in a field like this of that quality, and whether he, he has the, the ticket to really push it out there and, and go with those leaders. So I'm. You know, once again, it's going to be exciting to be watching who comes through that tunnel first and uh, watch them do that uh, that victory lap around the MCG. Mm. All right, Tim. Well, now it's time to pick them. So you've got four names to put down. 
One from each race. Women's marathon. Who's your can name? We have, have a time as well, Tim. Give us. A oh time. yeah, time is good. Time is good. If it's cool. twenty degrees, we'll say. Yeah, well, we're waiting for Nick Earl to deliver on that weather forecast, aren't we? I think we're all – he's going to give me one, I think, on Thursday. So, But outlying forecast at the moment is good. We're looking good. So, uh, gee, I, I think I'll, I'll go for Millie only because I'm not sure how Eloise will come out of the London experience, and I think Millie has targeted this one. She's got a lot to – you know, Eloise potentially has already got a qualifier for uh, Worlds or for comps. Millie needs that, I think. So Millie will be going for it, and she's got a lot on uh, stake here. So I'd be going Millie in the, the women's. It's really hard to go past Brett, isn't it? Really, really hard. If he's in form, he will win. But if not, mm-hmm. I think Tommy could come through again because I think he's probably in PB shape right now. Uh, so they're, they're the ones for the marathon. You know, look, as I said, uh, for Millie, I reckon I, I'd be thinking sub 230. I reckon we could be looking at 28, 29. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll go a lot quicker than that. We will wait and see. We'll see how the paces line up. Uh, and I think I don't think the 210 record will go this year. Uh, but you know, and I'll big plugs to Nike for this. You watch for the next few years; those records are going to come tumbling down because of the involvement we've now got from the Nike, uh, the Nike team, which has been absolutely fantastic so far. Sure. So I think maybe two twelve, two thirteen for the men's. And, um, yeah, we'll see how – but that's going to be good enough for $20,000. It's not a bad payday. I think if, if, it, if it goes out hard, you've got a few fellas there that like it to go out hard. So, obviously, we talked about Brett making it fast, but, I mean, that, yes. that's Tom's key to winning. He's not going to run faster than a sub-60-minute half guy in the last 10K. That's going, to be, that's going to be just dishing it up to Brett. So, and, you know, Ed Goddard, he, he's not going to – He's not going to sit back and watch blokes run up the road. So, yeah, you could be on for a faster pace in the men's. Yeah, and let's hope that, you know, Jules, that they actually get a little bit of a pack formed. You know, let's mm. see, you know, and, you know, when you chat to Brett, you're probably going to get more intel on that one. But if there is a bit of a pack and they settle early and it comes to a fairly even-paced race, which we know can be done on this course, yes, there's a bit of a, an up and over when you hit the up towards the shrine and then back up Dallas Brooks Drive. But you get that beautiful spin off the top as well. And and when um, this is where both Lisa and Sinead have had awesome runs home on that, that course when they mount that final hill uh, coming off uh, the shrine and coming back onto St Kilda Road, they are flying. You know, you remember that year that I think Sinead was the second fastest of the entire field, men included, in the last yeah. 2K. Save some legs, you're saying. Yeah, save some legs and really um, capitalise on the last bit. Mm. So in the half, I mean, you've picked two Olympians so far. Um, yeah. Are we going to see two more Olympians win the half? I think so, Yeah. The women's, I might, I might go out on a bit of a limb here. I might go for Izzy for the win. Izzy, yep. Yeah, and I think you know she's quite capable of probably a sixty-nine on that course, sixty-eight or sixty-nine. I'll probably go sixty-nine because it's it's not the fastest. Um, yeah, I, I think that it could be a bit of a, a strategic battle that one as well. I reckon they'll be eyeing each other off early unless someone decides that um, they really want to try and destroy the field. Uh, yeah. And try and you know do some some damage, and uh, I'm not sure who that might be. You know, yeah, well, yeah. We possibly Sinead might decide. Okay, I want to win this race, and I'm going to take it early. Uh, let's just see. Yeah. Okay. 
And Tim, I'll, the role of the um, – oh, sorry, Moose, so I'm just going to quickly ask about the role of the Pacers. You kind of touched on it before, how you've, you've met with those guys, but can you tell us what pace groups – I think there'll be plenty of them – what uh, pacemakers you've got and how do people go about finding their right well, pacemaker? We haven't done the men's half yet, Brady. Do you want to oh, – that's got to cut me off. Sorry, oh. sorry. I like no, the producer no. sending me the questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, men's half, I think, you know, uh, I think Jack will be the one to beat. Uh, but if he's not in absolutely top shape coming out of Tokyo, then uh, Dave McNeil, I think, would be my man. Dave's experienced. He's got a level head. He knows how to run a race. He's, uh, he, but he is inexperienced at the half. He's only had a, a, a go at it, and he told me he just failed miserably. So maybe he's got a, a bit of a mission here not to fail at the half and get a reasonable PB, you know, because he is obviously heading towards the, the twilight of the career, perhaps. I'm not trying to put Dave down at all, but he's uh, you know, sort of he's been around for a long, long time, and maybe he just wants that really impressive half marathon time, and this could be the chance for him to do it. Now the pace of question, Tim. Pacers, yes. Don't we love our paces? They're one of the visible elements of the uh, the event. So, and I'm very, very proud of the group. I've got a quite an established grouping of paces. There's about 55 of them that will be out there on the day in the half marathon and the marathon. In the marathon, they start at 250. Luckily, I've had two 250s land or you know come into my lap in the last uh, two weeks. I've been very late on the piece. Very hard to get a 250 pacer because usually those guys are competitive runners. And in a chance, given we haven't had a race for, you know, this one for two years, they usually want to do it. So I've got two to do the 250. Then we've got three hours, 310. They go through another really exciting thing for us this year. Uh, I had a little bit of a request through my job at AV. You know, someone's just as an off-the-cuff remark said, oh, you know, Melbourne Marathon, it's all about the fast runners and did you realise that so many people can't break four hours these days and you don't really care about them that much? And, yeah, fair fair cop, actually. And so we've now, we go to 4.10, 4.20. That was where we capped the uh, paces. But I think this year, or 4.30, this year we're introducing a 4.45 and also a five-hour pace group. So we've gone to new ground. Nike were absolutely supportive of it. So were IMG. So we've introduced those. One so so the marathon goes from two hours fifty to five hours, and the half marathon goes from one hour thirty through to two hours twenty. So maybe in future years we'll look at some other uh, half marathon groups. As I said, I'm very proud of our pace group leaders because they are smart. They don't do anything stupid out there. Well, maybe one or two over previous years have, but uh, generally the way we instruct them is even pace because they're not only trying to get those groupings through. Say if you taking the three-hour group, you know, like dear old Damien Angus is once again, you know, great man. The aim for them is not to run three hours and 10 seconds by the by the clock. We want them in at about 258 or 259. So they will steer that ship along that path. The same with the four-hour pace group. The aim is to have a three at the start. So, so whatever the pace group is, the aim is to have that group in just ahead of that time. So it's a it's trying to break the barrier that uh, of the time itself. And our instructions to those paces is even pacing. No time in the bank, no taking the sub three group, you know, through um, half marathon in 124 or 125 because we know what that does because a lot of people who join a pace group are aspirational. They might be a 307 or 308 who want to break three hours for the first time. And if you send them through on 255 pace, chances are you're going to absolutely fry them. And I've seen events where the three-hour paces come through with no one with them. So but at Melbourne... We instruct on very even pacing, just under the target time. And the other reason for that too is that 
for the crowd out on the course, those paces are sort of the barometer of what's going out. You know, if you're watching your friends and you see the 330 group go through, then you see your friend and then you see your 340 group, you know how your friend's tracking. I know we've got online tracking and that stuff as well, but for the crowd, the paces are, are really establishing, you know, how people are going out there because if they're running true to time, then you, you know exactly how your friends or family are going. Yeah, well put. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for all that expertise, um, Tim. And uh, Brady, you put a bit of fire in his belly by giving him number race bib 33. I like 33, Tim. That's how old I am. Brad was, <laughs> yeah, well, Brad was, get, was getting into me going, geez, you're a long way down the list with number 33. But I thought no. oh, good, good energy in two, two of the same number next to each other. No, I do. I do put a little bit of thought into the numbers, um, and thirty-three was the lucky number for you, Mister Truffle. I thought I'll give him something that's got the double digits. Um, the other one, Cornsy's wearing uh, Kane Corns is back. You know, great supporter of Melbourne Marathon, and Cornsy's back, and he's going to wear number eighteen, which was his number at Adelaide. Ah, Very good. So he'll be happy with that one. Good energy there as all well. All right. Well, um, all the best for next weekend. I'm sure it'll go. It'll all run smoothly. And, um, yeah, thanks for everything that you do for the sport. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, Tim. Cheers, Tim. See you, Tim. All right, our last guest, and we've spoken about him a bit already today, two-time Olympian, Australian record in the half marathon and a marathon PB of 210.55. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Brett Robinson. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is what the people Um, are here for, Brett. Uh, yeah, we've spoke, sp- <laughs> spoken about you a bit already today. Yeah, I heard. Um, so, so I guess I hear it all. So we might just start. You come off the Tokyo Olympics. What were those first, say, month, the first month after the Olympics in terms of quarantine and how your body was and how your motivation? Did you struggle to get back into it? Uh, so I was actually really motivated coming out of quarantine because like, I just wanted to get back into it. But the worst thing you can do is sit down for two weeks after a marathon. Like I, I thought I'd be feeling fine. And then my first run out, I was just like, oh, I felt like it was, I'd run a marathon the day before. Like my legs were just still fried. And um, I got back into it slowly. But uh, yeah, it was just like everything was just so sore. Um, and then I finally got going again and just happened to be riding down the street, fell off my bike, did my shoulder. And um ended up in a sling for like two weeks um and then since then got going again and then had a bit of a niggle in my quad but i'm gone right now so a rough time since yeah the yeah i noticed on strava it's been a very different marathon build up for you like you've been doing a lot of long rides um not a lot yeah. of i guess marathon specific sessions when did you actually decide to enter melbourne marathon so I'd always kind of planned on doing it, but and just because I want to test a few things um, with the marathon and just with those issues I had in my other ones, see if we can try to figure out what, what the problem is and, and what I need to do. Um, so I thought Melbourne is like my home one. Um, if, if anything does go wrong, I'm right next to my doctors and everything so I can kind of figure it out. I can see doctors before and stuff. So that was kind of the main reason for doing it. Um, but then I had, yeah, a bit of a niggle. So that's why I had to kind of supplement the running I was missing with a lot of cycling. Um, and I haven't done as many marathon sessions. I've, I've done some the last month, but yeah, nothing like I would usually do. But I felt also like I came off 
the Olympics and like a huge build for that. So I didn't feel like I had to do a full build up this time either. Yeah. And so going into this race, given what you've just said, is like are you chasing a time or are you just going to sit and kick and pick up 20 grand? What's the what's the tactic? Yeah, um, the, the number one thing is, is trying to win. Um, I don't, yeah, the time doesn't really bother me. Um, I like, like if, if the other guys want to try to go quick, then that doesn't bother me either because I feel like I can, I'm like, I feel like I'm in very good half marathon shape right now. Um, so, so that wouldn't bother me, but yeah, the number one thing is getting the win. Yeah. And any changes to your, um, your nutrition from previous marathons to try and get on top of the, the stomach issues? No, nah, well, so I don't really think, and like the doctors don't really think it's anything to do with my, like actual fluid or carbohydrates I'm taking in. Like it's not actual stomach, it's more a muscle or, or something that's uh, getting restricted in there. Um, I had a CT scan on, a couple of days ago, checking like all the, I don't know, arteries and stuff. And so I still don't, don't know the results from that, but it's, and then checking also my ribs and stuff because I'm I am really tight in this region um but uh nutrition wise staying the same as I have been for the for the Olympics yeah yeah and Brett, uh, like I guess sorry correct there you go yeah yeah there you go I was just going to say like do you does it worry you now because it's happened a few times like does it concern you on the start line because you know that I read your post after Rio and it was kind of very um honest and authentic like it sounds like a terrible thing to happen halfway three quarters of the way through a marathon like do you stand on the start line being a bit worried a bit concerned definitely um yeah, yeah it's, it's very worrying because i don't get it in training because i never yeah. so the original plan was for this race was to do some like 30k efforts at race pace and see if we could bring it on uh, but then because of the few niggles i had and hiccups i i haven't been able to um so it's just like any other race where I'm going into it, hoping that it's not there, hoping that I've done the right things, um, which is the most frustrating thing because I thought London the other year that I had I had fixed it, got to the same point, happened again. Um, I thought at the Olympics I'd fixed it with all the nutrition I changed, got to yeah, 28, 30K, and it happened. So it's, again, I'm hoping um, that I have done the right things this time. I think possibly the slow i don't think the pace is going to be like i usually try to run um like i do think it'll be like more of a 213 214 race so i hoping that that kind of buys me more time as well that if it does come on it's a lot later in the race it's pretty brave though like you could have after tokyo decided the marathon was done wins that epic in, in in a month's time and, and stay away from the marathon and dominate on the track and even the road like the 10k scene and the half marathon scene but you're coming back for more yeah oh definitely straight after the marathon i was like oh i'll just be a half marathon runner yeah. it seems it's a lot easier but uh yeah i don't know after not long i still then i kind of was like no nah, i need to figure this out like i feel like i have a lot of unfinished business and the, the kind of the positive thing about it is like I feel like I've been in great shape for these races and like that I'm like London last year, like I felt like I was about to run a really good race and then I get stopped for a reason. That's not, it's not my fitness. It's not anything else. It's just this problem. I feel like if I fix that, then I'll have nothing that'll stop me. Mm-hmm. So Melbourne doesn't sound like it'll be a race where you can qualify for the world championships next year. Um, next year's world championships and com games. What are your, like what ideally, how does next year pan out for you? Uh, to be honest, I think I would like to do the 10K 
um, at World Champs, and then and then maybe look for another marathon later. But um, I don't really feel like going and do another really hot marathon um, in Oregon. If it, yeah, so I'll, first thing be trying to qualify for the ten k and then see see how I'm going from that. And don't know. Would you do? Would you do Con Games marathon? Uh, nah, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably yeah, just just focus on world champs. I think. Oh, interesting. I didn't didn't expect that answer. I thought you would have tried to have tried to do both, especially if you you know do the ten k as a bit of a hit out before the marathon. Yeah. But, hmm. Yeah. Which one's yeah. first? World champs. World champs. Ten k would be. World champs. Yeah. Yeah. So it could, but I don't know. You're a professional athlete as well, though, Brett, and there's going to be opportunities to run in some of the world major marathons and things like that. That's potentially on the um, calendar for 2022. Yeah. So, well, like nothing's uh, – I haven't really talked about it yet. Um, I'll probably talk to like, Nick and Collis after this or early next year. But, um, yeah, like that's what I'm kind of thinking, that if I would do a 10K at World Champs and then maybe look for a marathon, one of the big marathons, like a bit after that, um, yeah. that's See? probably what yeah. I would do. And yeah, so you like won't look at a marathon. It is, it is my job. It is my job. So you make a lot more money going to one of those races compared to World Champs Com or games. Um, Com Games or Olympics. So yeah. So you wouldn't look for a marathon the, um, early next year? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I'll do this. Then I'll try to find somewhere to qualify at 10K. I'm, I'm probably going to do a half marathon in early Feb um, overseas and then – I'll wait probably till the end. I need I need to just like get some training in as well. I think just this build up hasn't been ideal, and um, I think I need some good interrupted uninterrupted training, and then find something else. To run twenty seven twenty or whatever you need, you'll have to get back in the spikes, do some real fast stuff. Yes, I know, which I don't like. So, um, <laughs> but is is the time? Is that the time? Um, uh, I, I know I it's it like around that. Yeah. Oh, really? Twenty-five for world champs. Yeah. So the Olympics was twenty-seven, twenty-something. Oh, okay. I well, that's what I've been thinking. So I hope it is. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it's on there. <laughs> I better find that out before I have a crack. But um, yeah. So I, yeah, I will have to. But I think it's good for me to go back to do some of those shorter races. Um, but now these days, shorter races are like ten k's where the last few years I was going back to on 3Ks, but it's just, it doesn't really interest me that much anymore. Brett, last one for me on the start line on Sunday. Who are you most concerned about? Um, oh, is Andy Buchanan racing? He's out late with uh, Joel injured. Yep. Damn. Um, I thought Andy was going to have a really good one. So, so that's no a one shame, but No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I'm, I'm concerned that Ed Goddard will go and run 64 minutes for the first half. Um, just because he's a bit crazy and all over the shop. Um, but and, and he also he runs a lot, so I think if he's this is what he's going to be good at in the future. So I could see him running well. But and, and Tom DeCano, I, I think Tom DeCano is the the main one I'll be competing against. The main threat. And Home then, course, yeah. though, for you. Home course, yeah. you know the um, you know the twists, the turns, the little uphills. So. You've um you've probably got a bit of a plan to, to win. Yeah, I was actually move. I was trying to get um local legend of the tan on Strava <laughs> and and then I just got injured trying to do it, so it didn't work. <laughs> but I yeah, so I know the tan and the hills on the tan pretty well. Yeah. 
And then you're a part of probably the most dominant training group in Australia. And a lot of people are one of the most dominant training groups in the world, but a lot of them are racing this weekend coming as well. Can you give us a name? Someone who's been training the house that you think is going to have a really good one? Um, Yeah, I don't know. The the half marathon is going to be a very good race, I think. Um, Between Jack Smack and Dave, I think it's good. I don't, I don't think Smack and Dave, if Jack really goes for it, I think he'll win um, and, and makes him hurt from a long way out. I don't. Those guys like kind of being a little bit comfortable and, and finishing hard. But if Jack's making him hurt at, I don't know, 16K and, and, and the marathon's just a bit different to 10K. Like you're hurting for a good 20 minutes. Um, so that'll be new for them. So I reckon Jack, Jack will win the half. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about it. I think everyone's gone pretty well. Yeah. That's good in your race week. Yeah. Well, good luck with the uh, the last week of the taper, with the carb load throughout the end of yep. the week. And, um, yeah, all the best. It's exciting seeing someone as talented as you on the start list, start line for the Nike Melbourne Marathon Sunday morning. Yeah, thanks. I'll see you out there. Actually, can yeah. I ask one more question? What shoes are you going to wear, Brett? Are you going to go to the Nike Alpha uh, Fly or the Nike Vaporfly? I've got on the vapor flies, but I was I've been I've been wearing alpha flies uh on my Friday sessions and that's what I was gonna wear, but then just yesterday I just go like nah I'm sticking with the uh vapor flies. I don't know why, but yeah. So I've got no reason behind it. I'm just sticking to them. It is hard when Nike make two really, really good shoes. I know. I know first world problem. I, yeah, I guess I just look at what uh Kipchoge and I'll see who wins Valencia Marathon tonight and what they're wearing. Okay, so there could be a light change again. Hopefully it's Nike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. hopefully it is. Thanks again, Brett. I'll see you down there on the weekend. All right, see ya. Cheers, Brett. I think we've lost Bradley Croker at the very end here, Moose, but that's okay because you and I can wrap it up. So that does conclude our Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival and Inside Running collaboration here where we've been previewing the event, catching up with some special guests and hopefully some uh, people who have some really good performances on race day. A massive thanks to everyone who has tuned in. If you like what we do and you're new to seeing our faces, we do the Inside Running podcast every week. We'll be previewing the field a bit more deeply this coming week. Uh, We have some special guests. We've been doing that for the last 214 continuous weeks. So there's plenty of interviews with people that you will see on the start line at the Nike Melbourne Marathon this coming weekend. Good luck to anyone who's preparing out there. Moose, can you give me one last tip? You coached Ali Pashley, who was a top 25 finisher at the Olympic Marathon. One last tip before we go from you. Be patient. Be patient early because there's no benefit going hard in the first 15, 20K. Discipline, people. Sit on the couch and go to sleep. Isn't that your saying? Go to sleep for the first 20. Someone told me that one once and I liked it. 30K. Sit on the couch for 30K, then the race starts. Come back up Fitzroy Street there before you turn into St Kilda Road. Mm -hmm. Fitzroy Street, Uh, that's exactly the spot. That's the spot. It's going to be an exciting week. Um, We're done. Thanks for tuning in again. I'll talk to you tomorrow night, Moose, for our weekly show. Thanks, Zacha, who's been doing production behind the scenes. And, uh, yeah, good luck in everyone's last week of preparation. Yep. See you out there. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's first sports micronutrition brand. Head to pillarperformance.com.au to learn more about their formulations for joint longevity, recovery, 
energy, and immunity.